Blue Diamond Honey Roasted Almonds are my love language. Sweet, salty, irresistible. But the crunchy and tangy salt and vinegar also give me the feels. The choice is hard with flavors so good. Blue Diamond Almonds. Super flavor, all on a superfood. Awesome. All at the same time. We love her around here. Yes, we do. Gong Show. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Luscious Jewels. Hello, Michelle Nichols. Welcome to SOR Chat. Stunning Samantha Hazelwood Gray. How are you? Thurston Howell Third. Nice to have you back. Alien Critter. George Hernandez. Good to see you guys as we continue on with Roll Call. EMF, you're unbelievable. Oh, far flung. Nice to have you here. And who else do we got here? Hmm. All right, we're caught up there. And uh, let's see, Zen One, good to see you. And uh, uh, Lee Pepping, how you doing, buddy? Good to have you here. The gorgeous Jessica McCreary, she's back with a vengeance. And I think we're caught up. Yeah, I think we're officially caught up. Oh, nope, we're not. Jerry O'Brien, what's happening? How you doing, buddy? We are about uh, 30 seconds away from launching tonight's show. Dolly Saffron is our guest tonight. Super Chat is open. we got some great swag for you at spacedoutradio.com, our website. If you want to check that on out, we would appreciate you wearing our stuff. Yeah, we would. And you would look good, too. I promise. I do. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Tonight's going to be a good show. I'm warmed up. I'm pumped up. And now I'm horned up. Let's rock. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world... This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do us a favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bubblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out the swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. we got a great show for you tonight as Dolly Saffron is here to tell her experiences of lifelong ET contact. Then in hour number three, we have the Swamp Dweller coming on in. Super Duke brings in the Cryptid Report. I got Dave 101 and Shirky Poo has the news. So... Let's get to it. Dolly Safford began her life journey already a generational contactee. Her father, an airborne ranger in the U.S. Army, was also a contactee from an early age. Growing up was challenging for Dolly as occurrences of disappearing from her home, psychic phenomena, and unseen friends caused anxiety for her mother. Until the age of 14, Dolly's memories were not fluid. She knew strange things were happening, but could not connect reality to them. 
It took a huge push to fight for her conscious recall to remain intact. After gaining awareness, her life took on purpose. Nursing began her journey. Then she began serving as a civilian worker in the U.S. Department of Treasury and also in the Army as a Department of Defense employee. Life changed those trajectories suddenly, and she was happy to become a zookeeper and an animal baby mama for a private zoo and sanctuary in Florida. This is awesome. All while being taken and taught by aliens. We're going to find out this story. I am just thrilled to have Dolly Saffron here tonight on Spaced Out Radio. How exciting is this? Dolly, thank you so much for coming on in. People may recognize you for being in our YouTube chat, but our radio land is getting to learn your story tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, I appreciate it. I'm excited. Okay, before we start into the whole E.T. woo, a, a zoo mama for babies? Yes. How cute a baby is mama. that? How cute yeah. is that? When I was living in Pine Mountain, Georgia, I had a chance to, well, my whole family does animals anyway, and it's a family zoo that we had. And uh, But I was up in Pine Mountain, and I started working for Wild Animal Safari there, and I started getting certified, USDA certified for certain animals. Um, when I came off the mountain, my cousin, I had, uh, my life altered uh, quite a bit. And I said, my cousin said, come on, come to the zoo, you know, move in. So I did. And I finished my certifications for everything else. And I love babies so much. And so we had baby tigers, baby lemurs, baby, you know, bobcats, all kinds of stuff. Oh my goodness. And you got to play with them all. Oh, you, you lucky deer. You lucky deer. Lucky, lucky. I oh, I love wild animals. Absolutely <laughs> love wild animals. The only wild animal baby that I've ever had a chance to pet is wolves. And Ooh, okay. And those were cute because they just acted like puppies. You know, but Yes, they do. But the cats, oh, the cats are my favorite. They're 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 a breed apart. They're very individual and they are adorable and they do wacky things and uh, training them, you start training practically when they come off the bottle or even before they come off the bottle. And, uh, it's a, it becomes a lifelong event with them and, uh, they're crazy. They all have their own personality and they're lots of fun. They really are. Is it true that the Jaguars are the worst of the cats to, to work with? Um, uh, no, I would put a leopard at the worst. They have the worst bite. They can crush your skull. That's how strong their, their bites are. The leopards. Jaguars are the jumpers. They can jump 22 feet straight up. They can leap out of trees at prey. It's the leopards that go into the water and grab crocodiles by their head and haul them out and eat them. They kill them dead. So, yeah, they're vicious bites. My goodness. Well, Tonight, it's about extraterrestrials with you because this is something that has been happening since childhood for you, and it's a generational thing in your family. When did you find out that you were a contactee, number one? And number two, how did you find out it was generational for you? Um, The contactee, I knew I was a contactee when I was younger. I just couldn't, I didn't know if I was crazy or not, you know? I mean, because I couldn't remember everything. Um, I was trying to prove it to myself one way or the other. By the time I was 14, I was looking for the next opportunity of contact to force myself to remember everything. And it came. 
Uh, I was out in the backyard. I had my telescope up. I was, I was taking astronomy classes and uh, it was about one o'clock in the morning on a school night. And my dad said, go to bed. So I packed down my scope, went and changed, you know, got in my room and I don't sleep a lot. I sleep only two hours a day. So I was sitting by my window, my bed went up to my windows and I was looking at Orion because Orion was up that night. It's beautiful constellation. And, um, I noticed there were about a hundred stars that weren't really stars. They were moving. And I thought, Oh my God, this is it. This is it. You know? And, uh, I started, um, watching very intently watching what they were doing. They paired off and they, uh, went East, West, North and South in different directions. All of them Two came down over my area. One went East to Dayland, uh, in Kendall. And the other one came down over our property. We lived in the Everglades. Um, it changed colors as it was leaving space and coming into the atmosphere. It kept changing colors. And uh, by the time it came down, the last color it was, was like a blue white. Uh, and then it turned, I could see that it was metallic. Um, we had trees behind the house and they started moving around wildly. Like there was a really strong wind. And now I'm, I'm like, I'm remembering. This is fantastic. I never had an experience like this one that I could remember. Um, I was looking at the craft. I knew it wasn't anything we had. It was slightly, it was bobbing a little bit, you know, it did, and it swayed slightly. And I was memorizing it, and I got up to the ports. They're not round. They're, you know, oblong like this, sideways. Yes. And uh, I saw two beings, one in each window. And I realized, oh, crap, <laughs> I'm not sure I want, oh, no, they're staring right at me. And I decided that discretion at that point was a really good thing. And I tried to turn and jump down below the window line. I was heading for under my bed. My room blew up in blue white light. And I woke up about three hours later on the floor. I wasn't wearing my own clothes anymore. I had somebody else's jammies on inside out and backwards. And I was pissed because I wasn't positive yet. I was not crazy. Okay. And I heard my mom in the kitchen cooking breakfast for my dad. And uh, I had to go to school. I had to get up. So I went in the bathroom and, uh, you know, took a shower and got my own clothes on. And I'm staring at these clothes and I'm thinking, wait a minute, this is tangible. This is in my hand. Where the hell did they come from? And I decided, okay. So I went out into the kitchen and my mom said, make coffee. And I'm trying to talk to her. You know, mom, the radio's playing. Uh, Paul Harvey was on. And I said, mom, did you guys see any lights last night? Did you hear any noise? Did you see any trees moving around? You know, and she said, what are you talking about? And I said, um, you know, UFO. And she whirled on me. She pointed at me and she said, eh, no, no, no. And went back to what she was doing. I was mad. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how am I going to brush this? This is important to me. If I can't get her to talk to me, I don't know what I was going to do. And um, just as I was thinking that the radio changed, the newscaster came on. First thing out of the man's mouth was two, UF, uh, two Dayland police officers saw UFOs last night. And they described it perfectly. One of them buzzed one of the officers in his car twice. Um, I went nuts, lost my mind. Oh, my God, this is real. Okay. I mean, I started getting ill. My head was pounding. I was like, oh, my God, I freaked out. She said, get out of the kitchen. No, you're dreaming. And my dad met me and as just as I walked out the door of the kitchen. And he said, you got to calm down. You're over the top. You know, go calm down and go meditate or something. And I'll talk to you later. 
I went to the only private room in the house, which was the bathroom. I locked the door, turned the light out, and sunk straight to the floor. And I was trying very hard to just calm down. And I kept thinking, how am I going to remember this now? This is real. I have to remember it. I remember clearly thinking that if I don't grab it now, I'm not going to. My memory is going to fade. I didn't want it to go away. And uh, so I started replaying the whole thing in my head, second by second by second. And when we got to the bright light part, uh, I saw it. I saw what started happening after that, and it incremental, incrementally started coming back to me. Um, I saw an energy ribbon come down in that light. I saw the two beings come down the ribbon. Uh, they came into the room. One of them took me by the hand and put his hand, really short little thing, tried to put his hand around my waist. He just touched it. And they moved me to the ribbon, and he put my hand with his hand on it, on the ribbon, and I lost all weight at that moment. We became, I saw bright lights, you know, bright white light when I touched the ribbon and I became weightless with him and we went straight up that ribbon and uh, we went through the roof. When I saw that coming, I, I winced. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to hit my head. Didn't, we went, went straight through it. Um, I saw the trees. We went through the trees and we went up to the craft. Um, it didn't go underneath the craft. It lipped up around the edge of the craft. There was a door open you know, like a hole in it, because I couldn't see if a door swung either way. It was just open. And uh, he shoved me feet first through it, and I landed on my keister. I dropped down to the ground, you know. And uh, I'm like, oh, my God. And then I realized that there's somebody sitting next to me, and I looked, and it was a tall gray. Her name, I call her Mama, and I instantly knew who she was. I remembered her from my youth. It all started flooding back on me. It made me physically ill, and I puked right there. Um, they helped me clean up. They gave me something to wear, you know. They gave me, you know, clothes, a smock, I guess, you know, a tunic, whatever you want to call it. Um, I started shaking, and then I hear this voice, and it's uh, Talata. He's the ship. Um, he's a, I guess you would call him a fifth dimensional uh, disembodied non-corporeal entity that indwells the craft. All ET craft are run by uh, and dwell. They're indwelled by entities that are highly, highly advanced. Mm -hmm. um, and he said, my name, he said, Dolly, do you, Hey, how you doing kiddo? You know, I knew who he was. I started shaking again and they decided that it was time to get me up on my feet and let me walk around. They needed me to, they wanted me to like reattach myself to what I knew I knew. And they yeah. took me all through the ship. They let me touch things, look at things. I found my quarters. I saw my brush that I thought I lost in my room. Uh, they brought me back. He sat me down and he decided this is time. Time you're remembering now. We're proud of you. They were grinning. Mama was. And uh, they said, we need to talk to you. It's time to have a talk. And he said, you're of age. We need to start thinking about what you're going to be doing. And, uh, I'm sitting there now while he's talking to me. I'm remembering crap all the way back in my life. Things are popping in my head. I'm freaking out. And uh, he said, uh, what, do you, what do you think you want to do in life? Well, at that moment in my life, I was 14 years old and I wanted to do everything. You know, I, I was candy striping already because I knew I wanted to be a nurse, but I wanted to be a marine biologist as well. I was a student park ranger in the Everglades because I loved animals. Um, I was just all over the place. And he said, really, you got to think about it. What would you like to do? And I'm sitting there thinking about it. And the first thing out of my mouth was, and I didn't know that they would say anything positive to me about it. I said, I want to fly, you know, and uh, he paused and 
all of a sudden I hear, okay, if that's what you want to do, this is what you'll do. And I freaked out again because I didn't think they'd say yes. You know, I just had no clue that they were going to say yes to me. And uh, he let me know that it would take a long time for me to learn, that I would be tested uh, to see if I could do it. I had to up the game on my abilities, you know, psychic abilities. And it took me until I was 15 before they gave me the green light and I was going to be trained. I trained from the age of 15 until I was 19 where I took my first flight right after my 19th birthday. I am so jealous right now. Oh. So jealous right now because I want to fly the craft. Well. I do. Tell them. Well, I okay. have. I have. And and yet I have I have laid down that I have certain rules that that I want to happen and not happen. Like instead of getting taken in the middle of the night like what happened last weekend, I want to I want to walk out of the studio one night and walk ah. walk into my backyard, climb aboard and go for a flight. Now I believe you when you say that you flew the you flew the craft at fifteen. I totally believe you. I actually met a young lady here uh, about four years ago now, who mm-hmm. was twelve years old at the time, and flew the craft. And the I, I just have so many questions flooding through my head for you right now. I, I want to start off by asking you this: the beings that you were dealing with. Were they humanoid? Were they greys? Who were who were you in contact with? Um, my first contacts have always been the greys. Um, there are different ethnicities of them. Uh, there are the AI greys, which are um, biological AI. They're very small. They're about three feet tall. They're manufactured. They don't exist like we do. They're not conscious alive, um, but they do learn. Uh, when they're not in use, they they stack them up, you know. Uh, they're necessary because space is very dangerous. Gamma radiation is very harmful to humanoids, and they are humanoid. Uh, they have the same DNA we do. Um, so the greys were developed to do that, and they work with all ET entities, all the different uh, types. Um, they're very, very, very uh, well engineered to do what they do. Then there's there's a shorter, there's a short gray. They're kind of pudgy and they're kind of like troll-like, you know. And they have a tint, a blue tint to their gray, their whitish gray skin. And um, they're very sweet. And they do a lot of work behind the scenes for them on the planet. Um, a lot of people do see them. I think uh, Preston's sister-in-law um, met them when she was very, very young, and she drew a beautiful picture of them. And he, when he heard me talking about it. He showed it to me, and she got it right. It was exactly what they are. She, she, her memory is incredible. Um, well, then let, there's I call them the mid grays. Yes. Huh? Sorry. Go ahead. Please continue. Oh, there's the mid grays. They're about five feet tall. They have three fingers, and they use a prosthesis on the end of their fingers to do fine work, manipulate. Um, uh, they are also very uh, scientific, and they're behind the scenes a lot. And then they're the tall grays. And I know that humanity here sees them more often with the smaller AI grays. They kind of work together all the time. And this, and in my case, that's it. Um, Mama is a tall gray who's my liaison. And uh, she's taken care of me my whole life. 
in uh, she's about 800 years old. She's a little over 800. And uh, I now look older than her. It freaks me out. It's a joke. <laughs> I passed her by. Um, I've seen other t- entities, but those are the main ones that I work with. Well, we should also uh, clarify here that a uh, good friend of this show, Preston Dennett, is someone who is very special to you now and has been for the last number of months. And And I got to say, you know, when Preston speaks about this subject, you know, you know it's good research. You know it's going to be a truthful, impactful story. So the fact that he has brought you out to the public and you two have itemized. Now, I think that's wonderful, by the way. You got uh-huh. you got yourself a wonderful gentleman there. Thank you. Um, I met him in 2016. Um, Talata actually introduced me to him. He told me to go find him because I had been looking for a researcher to come out to back then. And I just wasn't finding, you know, I just didn't know where to go, what to turn to anything. And he told me his name. He said, Preston Dennett. He's on oh. YouTube. Look him up. No way. And it's Preston's been vetting me ever since it's taken him all this time to go through everything and, you know, looking for proof. I've given him all kinds of, you know, uh, proof that I could, you know, that and, is awesome. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. And uh, just a great gentleman, Preston Dennett and author and researcher. You can find all the Preston's books on Amazon. I believe you're the, in the latest one, correct? It's yes, your, your symmetry. Story. Symmetry is your true UFO adventure. Yes. Okay. So let's get back to your case here because I'm a firm believer as we got about three and a half minutes before we have to go to break at the bottom of the hour that these craft that are flying above us from other worlds or other dimensions or the future, wherever they may be coming from, I'd strongly believe that there is a large biological component to this. And what you said about the craft and in how it kind of reacted to you and the beings in it, that that really proves it to me that that there is a lot of biology that goes into this. At the United States Postal Service, we deliver fast and affordably for small biz, big box, large scale, wholesale, retail, B2B, B2C, ASAP. USPS, delivering for America. Learn more at USPS.com slash delivering. This summer, get road trip ready with the brake experts at Midas. With up to $100 back on two-axle brake service when you use your Midas credit card. So you can make sure every stop on your road trip is one you want to make. Request your appointment today at Midas.com. Correct, yes. So, um, When the you- entity indwells the craft, the craft becomes his body. Like we, we have this body that we indwell, he indwells that craft. And it absolutely becomes him. And when I fly, we connect psychically to one another in an environment where that facilitates it. And I can actually feel him breathing in it. He can expand it, contract it. He can do all kinds of things in that thing. He can light it up like a Christmas tree. The skin on the craft inside and out is like cuttlefish. He can produce any look with that craft he wants to. And uh, he is a super genius. And he, he runs every system in that craft. He he can dodge anything for me. He keeps a lookout for me while I'm flying. He's my early warning system. I mean, it's everything. Um, if anything ever happened to me, he can actually take over and fly himself. So. Wow. Wow. So how, 
the greens you were dealing with, they are very friendly and very positive towards helping you and potentially others as well. Yet many of us seem to have encounters that aren't so kind. Do you feel a little bit lucky that they have given you all of these breaks that you've kind of wanted to have? Um, it's, I, I'm not sure I would call it luck. Um, what I've experienced, my experience through all of this and working with humans on board craft, which I do do, um, uh, it's like you're living here and fear is a big thing for human beings. We're taught to be afraid of everything. We're taught to question everything. We're taught to have doubts, everything. Uh, we don't even like doctors here. You go to the doctor as a nurse. I can, can't tell you how many times I've been attacked by my own patients. Okay. Don't touch me. Don't this, don't that. You're hurting me. Ah! And it happens. Humans react this way. They're, they are examining people to help work with their genome. Uh, we have a serious issue right now. We have too much gamma radiation coming in on us and they're trying to bolster us up and hold us up because our DNA is breaking down. Uh, that's why there's so much more cancer. There's so many more mental illnesses. I mean, the list is long and distinguish it. What's happening to the human genome right now. And they're trying to keep us going. That's what that is. They're checking up on humanity and humans don't see it that way sometimes and it freaks them out. They're terrified and they react very badly. So their memories are going to be negative. Um, contactees who are on a regular basis contactees generally wake up to what's really going on and they see what's happening and they calm down and then they actually go, okay, I get this, you know, but if you're a new contactee and you don't know what's going on, it can terrify the crap out of you, you know? Very true. Dolly, I'm going to get you to hold on right there as we are going to go to break okay. here at the bottom of the hour. Dolly Saffron is our guest. What's it like being a lifelong ET contactee? We'll find out more when we return with Dolly Saffron right here on Spaced Out Radio. Stay tuned. All right, we're clear. I need to get fresh water, Dave. All right. You go get fresh water. Let us uh, straighten out your picture so we can see it first because they're going to put it big. Okay. I'm going to drink something real quick. You go right ahead. Eyes. Okay. Thank you. Dirty filth, wild art right there. Oh, what a picture. That's cool. Yeah. He draws, uh, what he does is he draws little art pieces like this and then he sticks them in places. It's like the Everglades, sort of, of what I can see of it. This is cool, like a swamp. Is that what that is? This one right here? No, that yeah. that would be a sea monster, like the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, a sea monster. Okay. Yeah. I'm on my phone. My computer didn't like StreamYard tonight, so I had to put myself on my phone. Oh, that's all so right. So everything's really small for me. Yeah. Very nice. Oh, good artist. I like your work. Oh, yeah. I've got a bunch of it behind me right here, right over here. I got, oh, neat. Yeah, I've got a plethora of pictures. It's beautiful. Yeah. That's totally cool. I also noticed you like Marvin the Martian. Oh, yeah. My son-in-law's into that. Yeah, I have a few. I have a few. I still have most of my collection in boxes. Uh -huh. Yeah. 
Yeah, my son-in-law too. It's everywhere. Really cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, hey, Mick. Uh, Mestzo on uh, Twitch, how are you? Supernower, how you doing? Sean G, nice to have you here. Richard Elmore, good to have you back. And uh, Nerfed, welcome uh, on Twitch. Thank you for joining us. And uh, the lovely and talented Katie Moonbeam Page. Neil Bauman, nice to have you here. The gorgeous cryptid Huntress, Jessica Jones. Drew Morris, nice to have you here. And uh, the lovely Rhonda Montpetit. Merci beaucoup. All right. How do I know? I always know. Let's see who's chiming on in here on the live feed. Let's go like this. All right, we've got a couple minutes left. Have you ever seen a gray with bright green eyes instead of black eyes? Like this. Yeah, the, most greys either have green or blue eyes or blue green eyes. Like this. Uh, kind, the, this kind of the green. dark lenses are lenses that they put in. Like this, because they're light sensitive. Like this kind of green that's on the screen right now. Um, I don't think so. Okay. Um. I've seen brilliant green, but, you know, not that green. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, hello. It could have had a green lens in, though. I will tell you that. They get they get choosy every now and then. As long as it's blocking the majority of the uh, light rays coming in on them, uh, they, they'll wear it. I mean, we have lenses that are different colors, too, you know? Yeah, I could uh, see that. All right, there we go. And we got about uh, one minute here. Hi, Dirty Filth. Hi, Dave. I gave the cat some snacks as well. Well, you're a snack cat kind of guy. Pendulum, how you doing? The gorgeous and stunning Sonia's News. How are you tonight? The lovely and talented Simply Coco. Please tell us what the drink of the night is. We'd appreciate that. And Mad Magnetic <laughs> Universe. How you doing? Stunning Pam Smith. Human Carl's here. Human Carl, everybody. We would like Human Carl around here. Thank you to Victor and Smithy. For the amazing Super Chats, it's a wonderful way to support this show on a nightly basis. So thank you so much. Here we go with the second half hour, everybody.
second half hour of Space Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate it. want to remind you, if you've uh, missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show. And on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It's all about the ET experience tonight as we have Dolly Saffron here with us. And we're going to learn more about her incredible lifelong journey with ET Contact. Dolly, welcome back. Thank you. I want to ask you, as you started to get a little bit older, you uh, you said that you, you learned that this was generational, but at the time when this first contact story happened, your dad said, go calm down and we'll talk about it later. Was it at that point that he decided it was time to have the alien talk with you? Pretty much because when he did get a chance to talk to me, I wouldn't open up to him yet. And uh, it was really hard to talk about it. And that's when he sat with me and explained uh, his contact. And when he did, I was shocked. And uh, it made sense to me, though. Um, He's always been real, relatively calm about all my abilities and things that have gone on in our house because of what I can do. And um, he just, my dad's also very, very psychic. I knew that. And uh, so is my mother, actually. And um, so... It shocked. It still shocked me. I, I, I wasn't ready to hear that exactly. And I was fascinated, too, because his uh, experience kind of largely follows mine, his first contact. They talked to him about his life as well and uh, encouraged him to do what he was going to do. And uh, that amazed me, you know. What kind of advice did your dad give you as you went down this path? He told me that... um I was going to learn a lot from them and that I should be um, working on my ability to remain calm. Okay. That was his first advice to me because I can go over the top. And uh, he said, if you're uncomfortable with anything, talk to me, talk to them. In other words, he was trying to give me as sage advice, sage advice as he could. He said that um, I would never be hurt. He reassured me of that. He told me that I would be, um, uh, having experiences that were just awesome. You know, I was a little bit of an adventurer anyway in my life. And, um, it it just opened up possibilities for me. It made me think what this really all meant. And, uh, when I did have questions, he would talk to me about it throughout my lifetime. Um, and I got to experience some co-work with him. Uh, a couple times in my lifetime with him and things that he was doing also. And uh, it just, it was really great. And he was just very positive about the whole thing. Right. Now, did he ever detail any of his experiences with you? Yes, he did. Um, From his first experience until his last experience, just before he passed away. Yes. Um, uh, He, he, uh, he was, uh, wore himself out. He was 81 and he was just wore out. And, uh, I was taking care of him and my mom. And, um, he called me, uh, up 
one morning to come in his room and talk to him. And he said, guess what? I said, what? He said, I went. And I said, you went? He said, yes, they took me up. And he said, Dolly, they're waiting for me. He said, they're going to walk me across. And I said, what do you mean, Dad? And he's like, well, when I pass away, they're waiting for me. They're going to take me across. They're going to help me get to where I'm going to go. And that, that blew me up, okay? That just blew me up. I've seen ETs when people have passed in their presence with them. They actually can facilitate you to not be confused and get you uh, on the path to where it is you're supposed to go. You go to the upper realms, you know, you leave your body and you move on and they help you. They kind of uh, make it interesting for you and they don't leave you. It's like they feel like it's their job to help. But in this case, it was more motivation and excitement because he knew there was more to it. Yes, absolutely. Wow. He was very excited. That is incredible. How did that calm your nerves? Um, I've always known that uh, there's something beyond this realm, beyond us, beyond the physical. I started OBE when I was probably about seven years old. And uh, I did it spontaneously, and I've just been able to do it my whole life. I can also remote view from a young age. So, yeah. Okay. I was glad for him. I knew that it was time, and I would see him again, and I still see him. He does come visit me from time to time, you know? Uh, he has a weird little habit right now. I have a huge family, and when everybody's, when somebody's going to pass, he will come to me and, and let me know something's about to happen. He'll almost allude to who it is, and uh, it was a shock. My brother died of COVID a year ago, and just before he passed, he came and got me in a dream, actually, a lucid dream. And he showed me everybody in the family that had passed sitting at a long table. And there was a placemat and a setting right in front of me and a little place card, you know. And they're all grinning at me. And uh, this was before my brother even got sick. And I looked down. I thought it was going to be me. I mean, you know, what would you think? <laughs> right. And I looked down. I looked at the card. And it was my brother's name. And I was like, oh, no. And then my sister-in-law called me a couple of days after that. And she said, Bob's got COVID. And here we go. And it got him. You know, oh darn it, uh, yeah. So, but it's not; it doesn't hurt me or anything like that. I mean, this is a way station we're in. We're only here for a short while, and we all really are connected to one another. We're all part of the same thing. It, we may have different experiences or different lessons to learn, but we do go to the same place. So do we. They're part of us, and uh, it's, uh, so it's comforting to me. You know. The abilities that you have gained and you have honed over the time, do you think the abilities were given to you by them, the extraterrestrials, or are you just an in-tune human being? All human beings have these abilities. You are born innately born with these gifts. Um, I'm just using them sooner than a lot of people. Um, I was in an environment where I was encouraged to do so. They didn't give me anything. They taught me or, or helped facilitate my awakening to it very, very young. Um, if you had been raised in that environment, you would be operating at the same level as I am. No, no doubt in my mind whatsoever. That's part of their message to humanity. You've got a pineal gland in your mind and it, it physically looks like one of your eyeballs. I don't know if you know that it's made of the same, everything. It looks like an eyeball without the lens in it. And it, it is the, it is the connection of the transmission of your mind, your thoughts, the different, frequencies 
to your body from your your consciousness. Your consciousness isn't your brain. Your brain's just a computer that's where your consciousness is driving this machine you're in. And the memory it remembers only comes from your consciousness. And your pineal gland speaks to you through that. That's the connection. But our connections have been kind of messed up. And we've been had too much um, negativity, bad food, bad air, bad water, and lots of violence around us. And it's just shut it down. And y'all can learn how to use it. There is ways. There are ways. Okay. And uh, that's the main body of their message. Wake up. Let's go. You know. Well, you know what? It is. Uh, it is something that you know more people are starting to open up today they really are dolly and uh, i i look at my children they're all open i know other people's children are are opening up as well so i mean i think that's just an evolution of society to be honest as we break a lot of uh, bonds that were around for the last couple hundred years if you understand what I'm saying with that, but you yes. know, for you with your contact, after you learned that your dad was a contactee and this was generational for you, how did it go? How has your contact gone from there? Ooh, um, it is ongoing. I am I'm mentally connected to Talata 24 seven. I can hear him. He can hear me. Um, I am, I live in duality. I, I've been with them so much and I've been here so much that my karma is kind of split. You know, I learn lessons with them and I learn lessons here as well. Um, I choose to be here. I could have left if I wanted to, uh, but I, I, I love, I love where I live here. I love the people here and I want us all to do well, you know, and it, I just feel like it's one of my jobs to just stay and work it out, you know. Well, you wouldn't have met Preston then. <laughs> true. You know? It's very true. Well, yeah. I, I want to ask you, how often are you taken? Um, right now, I'm kind of stranded. I'm in a what they call a sabbatical of time. Uh, ET's got issues with our magnetosphere right now. So it's um, I've chosen to remain still and not take the chance because talk, if he crashed, it would be bad. Um but I was taken generally about two to three times a week throughout my lifetime. Sometimes more than that. It just depends. Um, when we travel, we travel interdimensionally. And uh, apparently they knocked her right off the, the channel there. So we'll have to uh, wait for uh, Dolly to come right back. I mean, the fact that she was breaking down how it's like to be taken and what it's like to be taken. I mean... There is this like gravitational pull that seems to pull you when they are around. It's almost like a. Do you remember that ride uh, at all the you know um, amusement parks? Uh, it has so many different names, like Gravitron or or whatever, where it spins you around and around, and you get sucked. You lean against the wall and you get sucked up by the G forces. That's kind of what it's like if you've never experienced it. it you literally grab that, that G-force, and it's like they are pulling you with that, and you cannot get away. It's like being zapped in the back by Spider-Man, and he starts pulling on the web to pull you closer to him. 
You have no choice. When they say it's time to go, it's time to go. It doesn't matter whether you want to stay or not. And that is the immediate truth to that. And it kind of sucks because, because for a lot of people out there, it's scary. It is intimidating. It leaves you out of control, which is something that, you know, for us humans, we all want to be in control of our own situation. We all want to be in control of what is happening to us. It's one thing that if we- at the United States Postal Service, we deliver fast and affordably for small biz, big box, large scale, wholesale, retail, B2B, B2C, ASAP. USPS, delivering for America. Learn more at usps.com slash delivering. Ice tea knows iced tea, which is why I get my iced tea at Raisin Cane's. We're both fresh all day. Sometimes we're sweet. Sometimes we're unsweet, Jack. So celebrate National Iced Tea Day with your favorite iced teas and Raisin Cane's. One love. We get to make the decision on whether or not we're going for a ride. It's another thing if they are taking us without us really knowing what is going on. We are waiting for Dolly Saffron to return tonight. I, I'm hoping that her connection didn't die and maybe uh, the aliens didn't pick her up right there as we were getting right into that. But she will hopefully be back momentarily and uh, we'll be figuring out what's going on there. But we will continue on here with the contact realm. I mean, let's face it, people. I mean, that pulling sensation that you feel, that gravitational pull... I mean, it's hard to to fathom what that is like going through it. Uh, Matthew, Dave, uh, Matthew says, Dave, they cannot take us from our house. You know that's a part of the deal. Outside they can. Well, I would like to know how I left my bed the other night then. Because I just wasn't there. Nope. Uh, we got Dolly back here. Dolly, welcome back. Did the aliens take you there? No. No, they, my phone overheated. Oh, no. I need a, Yeah, I know. It really made me upset. I was like, oh, crap. Here we go. I uh, may jerk around a little bit because now I got to hold it away from my computer. I was using it for a prompt. That's okay. That's okay. I mean, continuing on with the feeling, as when you were gone, I was kind of explaining the whole idea to our audience about what it's like to to get taken up by a craft, and and it's that it's almost like that gravitational pull that you would feel when you're on that amusement park ride where you lie against the wall and it sucks you against the wall. Oh yeah, the G forces yeah. that go along with that. I mean, I right. just I just had that last Saturday. And I, I'm still not used to it. Is that kind of what was happening to you when you got taken? Yes, you feel like you're being hauled up. That's exactly right. You're weightless, and something's got you, and it's taking you up. And no matter, yep. and the the more you fight it, the more you go into like this slow motion of everything that's kind of going on. It's yes, weird. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I just I just go with it now. I'm, I'm a real easy easy cheese balls, you know. I do really well with it. See, I'm not so. there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm okay with it. I know it's happening, but I'm just not okay with it. Probably because I'm curious. And like a lot of others, I want to know. I want to see it. I want to experience it. I, then again, I know, and I'm sure you already know, that that uh, they worked on me because uh, – 
my implant area, the back of my head, still thumping. Uh oh. Yeah. Yeah, I got a couple that are weird. I have one in my thigh, my upper right thigh, and it vibrates every now and then. And it doesn't like certain people. I'll let you feel it if you want to. And uh, I've had a couple of people in my lifetime who it will run from them. It goes deeper into my flesh and turns off or something. It just won't allow them to touch it. And I've always wondered about that. And uh, I have an implant in my hand right here. I don't I don't know. It's really hard for the camera to see it. It's right here. And um, it's uh, it's uh, been there since I was 19. And uh, it helps me to initialize. It's a it's an energy ball. It, it's an interdimensional ball, and it gets bigger and bigger. And actually, that's where I throw my consciousness to meet Talata in this space, so that I can operate the ship. It's a total psychic connection for me. See, and, for, uh, see, for me, the minute I start talking about it, then my head starts to get a little heavy, and and. Uh, our phone's going to need to calm down once again. But what I was saying is, like, for those who are or believe they are ET implanted, my head, where it is at the back of my skull, uh, it feels like uh, like a pulsation, you know, like a vibration when it's talked about or something along those lines. Okay, this is it. I'm going to leave it alone. All right. All right. No more touching the phone. No more touching the phone. Hands up. <laughs> All right, we got yeah. it. We got it here. But I was just explaining, like, with me, it feels like a pulsing or a vibrating sensation on the back of my head that, that continue, uh, continuously, uh, you know, pushes the, the limits for, um, for, I don't want to say pain or being uncomfortable, but it is something that kind of goes from there. All right, we got about six minutes to go before we got to go to break at the top of the hour. Dolly Saffron okay. is our guest. Once again, explain to us who Talada is. Talada is the entity that indwells the craft that I fly. And he is a fifth dimensional disembodied entity. He is eons and eons and eons old. Um, I almost refer to him as the Oracle. Because there's, I've never, he's just, he knows so much. And he's actually helped teach me a lot, you know. He's wise beyond words. And he is a gray being, correct? Yes. Okay. It, it, but he's disembodied now. He's evolved to the point interdimensionally that he doesn't need a body anymore. He, so that's how he indwells the craft. So the idea that he is um, uh, a biological being, a gray, for lack of better terms, but he is no longer a gray. He's moved into the spiritual realm or dimensional realm, and he's, right. the, he's the one who helps you control the ship. I mean, is this the same ship that you have been flying for years? Yes, absolutely. Um, what does it look like? Let's start from there. Well, <laughs> um, it look, you know the Turkish UFO? Have you seen that ship? I'm going to Google it. I'm looking for images right now. Yes, okay, the one that's kind of a kind of slants over a little bit. Yes. Your typical disc. That's exactly Talata, yes. 
Wow. I've never seen one of those. Ever. Uh, did you go to the UFO Megacon um, in 2021? No, I was not there. Uh, he, I actually, I think I sent you a picture of what I got there. That was Talata. That was him. He really? showed up. Really? Yes. He let me take pictures of him. He knew the book was about to come out, and I was complaining bitterly that I didn't have enough photographic evidence. And he said, okay, we're, we're going to start giving you some, and they did. Incredible. Incredible. So, you know, the fact that he will be that generous to you, does he have other underling gray aliens that help him out to get contact with you? No, I directly, he directly is connected to me. I, I can um, remote view him at any time mentally. And he's um, somehow, the psychic link is very strong between us. And uh, I can call him up anytime in my mind, my own mind. So if you were to call him up, say, what would be the reasoning for calling him up? I mean, just to say, hello, how's your day going? Or where, where <laughs> are you? Or um, I keep up with what's going on geophysically with the planet. And I keep up with what's going on in our solar system and our galaxy. And I have friends uh, that are greys and other types of entities. And um, so if I'm not uh, keeping up with what's going on around me and that sort of thing, sometimes uh, I'll ask what's going on with them. What are they up to when I'm not with them? You know, I keep they keep me abreast of what's happening constantly. Okay, how long has Talata been coming to this planet? Probably in one form or another for about, well, he, I know that he was uh, working with uh, humans on Mars, you know, before we had the big calamity with Mars. And uh, I want to say 500 million years, maybe about two, maybe even a billion years. He's, he's that old. Something like that. Yes. Oh, my. So he's been around quite a while here, and yes, and the fact he actually exists outside a timeline. He isn't in the same timeline with us at all. When I say fifth dimension, I mean he is outside our timeline. He sees everything forward and backwards. You know, it's amazing. Oh goodness! How many other humans is he working with? Uh, probably three or four. Um, I know that when I'm not with him, he's working with somebody else. I know that there are others who um, fly him also. It's like a co-op. Wow. We all take turns. Wow, you get a timeshare with a UFO flight. Pretty much, yeah. Where do, when you're traveling or flying this thing, are you allowed to go anywhere that you want? No. Um, I have missions that I fly. In other words, um, I have things that I'm scheduled to do. Um, we, we, uh, retrieve, we, you know, contact different people that we, uh, work and guide over. And, um, so I do a lot of that. And, uh, sometimes I help transport, uh, beings back and forth across, you know, our galaxy and sometimes into the universe itself. We're moving animals all the time, plants, you name it. I mean, we're busy. They keep very busy. 20 seconds, so I'm, I'm, 20 seconds left. Why does he need you to accomplish those missions if he can do it himself? 
because I can make decisions that he cannot make uh, because I know my people here and I know them better than he does. And I know I can physically help people understand what's happening to them. I am an anchor for them while we're on board. And uh, Wow. Dolly Saffron blowing us away tonight on Space Out Radio with her ET contact. Would you fly a UFO if you were given an opportunity to do so? We'll find out. Dolly Saffron continues on Spaced Out Radio right after this. Hot damn, I'm so jealous of you right now. So jealous. Oh, don't be. You realize that anybody who goes on board with them is offered the chance to take the ride to, to drive the craft. Well, they you know that, right? They haven't given it to me yet because the only the only projections I get, I never get them on craft. Never get them on craft. I know people who have seen me on craft. I know people who have talked to me on craft. I know people who've been with me. But the only image I ever get is that first taken image and then that wide awakeness when you get back. That's okay. It. I'll be, I'll While be right back. I got to hit you the need loo to pre- here. You uh, need to, you need to um, int- your, set your intentions tightly. In other words, you need to meditate and clear your mind of everything, okay? And then decide on the one thing you want from them right away, all right? I will be and back. what you do is I, you I will be back, clear Dolly. that in your brain so it's not going anywhere. So when you go on board, they hear it. They'll hear it before you even get there. They'll know long before you get on board what your intention is and you need to make sure that they understand that um you're not a threat to them in any way in other words if you react physically for any reason tell them nope not gonna happen uh you tell them that your greatest desire in life is to fly the craft and you would really like to take the seat i will be and that right you back want to we'll remember t- I'll be, I'll that right you're ready we'll to remember this, okay be right back okay God, I love this picture. This is awesome. Hmm. 
Okay. Sorry about that. Hi, Scotty Jensen. How you doing? Uh, let's see here. So, I have put out the intention, Dolly. I have. Okay. And it just doesn't seem... T- I, I always get when I am taken, I always get the the feeling that no, 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 I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Feel the gravitational pull. Uh-huh. And then I wake up in bed. Except uh-huh. except one time, I actually woke up three feet above my bed and fell in, happened to me. Yeah. into my bed. Uh-huh. Hi, Alex Kuhn. Yeah. He hit the ground. Yeah. Boom. I want to ask you a question. Sure. Has it, what you do in this lifetime, what you're doing now is very important. You realize that, right? Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling that if you remembered flying the craft, which I'm pretty sure you probably have, um, you wouldn't want to come back. In other words, you might refuse. You might just throw it all down. I know you I, have children. I'm okay, okay with that. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Trust me. If I get to okay. fly, if I get to fly a spacecraft... Okay, mm-hmm. I'm gone because all I wanted to do as a child was fly jet fighters. See, I was the same way. I'm a, I, oh my God, yes, I'm too tall. You know, there's a height limit on jet fighter pilots for females, and I'm at the limit. I can't fly. We got ten, I also tore my knee up when I was a teenager, and yeah, so I'm not qualified. We got, we got five seconds. Hold on. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook Spaced Out Radio Show. Here we go with hour number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davy the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Tasenda. Tasenda is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on with the amazing conversation we are having tonight with ET Experiencer and contactee Dolly Safran. As we continue on the show here, hanging on out with Dolly and learning about her amazing experiences about flying, actually flying, in command of UFOs. Yeah, Dolly, thank you so much for joining us tonight. When you are flying the craft, and I know you have so much more to talk about, but I'm just fascinated by this. When you are <laughs> flying the craft, are you in a seat? 
is it like the movie Flight of the Navigator? Or are you standing up at a panel? Where are you in the craft while this is happening? I'm on I'm on the deck that they call the uh, the place of movement. That's how they think about it. It would be a flight deck, but it's not like anything you've ever seen. I have a command chair that I'm in. It is made to keep me from being electrocuted. <laughs> I have grounding under my feet. In other words, there's two pads that I put my feet on that help ground me and out from being, you know, pulverized with it. And it's a seat uh, that I'm kind of, it fits me really well. I think that it it molds to me when I'm sitting in. Um, in the left, on the left side, um, there's an arm that comes up over the back of the chair and the ball is held in suspension over my head. Um, and then I lay my left hand down on a pad that helps with the grounding. And then my right hand I put toward the ball. I don't touch it, but I, I guide it. Okay. And, um, but I'm mentally connected to Laura in that, in that environment in there. I throw, I remote view into that ball and he's there. He meets me. Um, I can actually feel what he feels at that point because um, we're totally 100% connected. The synapse in our brains uh, are in sync with one another. So if he's thinking it, I'm hearing it. And if I'm thinking it, he's hearing it. And we physically react to it immediately. That, that keeps us flying and it keeps us safe. Ice tea knows iced tea, which is why I get my iced tea at Raisin Cane's. We're both fresh all day. Sometimes we're sweet. Sometimes we're unsweet, Jack. So celebrate National Iced Tea Day with your favorite iced teas and Raisin Cane's. One love. This is Sarah's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. Driving cross country with two young children is ambitious, to say the least. Then our check engine light came on. We pulled into O'Reilly Auto Parts and they tested it. Turned out it was a faulty sensor. They referred us to a great mechanic just down the street and we were back on the road in no time. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Because at the speeds that we travel, it could be bad. You know, we're, we're riding on magnetic field guidelines around this planet. Uh, every planet you go to with a with a core that's magnetic, it builds a magnetosphere around it. And the planet's filled with tons of uh, magnetic energy that we ride. You know, we sort of surf it. And um, he has to be on top of that. I have to be on top of it. And anything coming at us, I mean, if, if a line moves or we lose cohesive uh, energy with it, contact, it could drop us like a fly. I mean, that's why they crash. Sometimes the, the field line just suddenly disappears and the crash will go down. There are ways to stop yourself from going down with it. I've been trained not to go down, but, you know, it can happen. No, Nobody's perfect, you know, right. and it has from time to time. Right. So when you do you go on training flights every now and again, or are you strictly about about doing these missions? I trained for four years to fly from the age of 15 all the way to 19. Um, Talada now constantly rates me. He watches me for anything that, you know, could be going amiss. I'm 64 years old now. And, uh, so my mental ability needs to be sharp all the time. And so I'm watched for that. Okay. Um, I know that there's going to come a day where I will step down eventually. And, uh, but I've had a wonderful ride until then. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be around for the next uh, flying for at least three more years. 
And um, I'm very strong stone, very capable. You know, my memory is really good. I have an, uh, I have an eidetic memory, and I always remember where I'm at. So, um, but yeah, I'm rated by him. He watches me like a hawk. So. Do you ever get to go to other planets, other areas of the solar system outside of our galaxy? And if so, how, yes. do, you, how do you get there? We travel interdimensionally. We open a light gate or a light door and we go through it and we can travel hundreds of millions of light years uh, in, in this less than a second. And uh, the door closes and then we're where we're at and then we open the door back up again to so, come back. So um, if, this if, is, if I'm correct on this, it's kind of like what you see in Star Trek where the when they go into like that warp hyperdrive speed where all the stars all of a sudden become like a white tunnel sort of um we build we build the energy door first it's a light door and it's a dimensional doorway in, a, in other words a gate where it starts to flow into our dimension you can see it it's actually you see it opening light and it's spilling into our dimension and then we rev up and we we speed through it at very high speed um we're probably going about twenty seven thousand miles an hour when we go through it um the bigger the door means we've got more craft behind us to go the smaller the door means there's only one craft going to go through it and uh it pretty much uh, takes us through it is you go from being 3d to 12d you literally explode into interdimensional space you leave time space everything it's really really very cool dolly saffron is our guest tonight we got some questions from our audience here we're going to start off with donnie here when you're flying the craft do they give you access to weapon systems also how does the propulsion work okay there are no there are ETs don't generally carry weapon systems with them. They're uh, capable of wielding energy uh, in a way that you wouldn't understand. They are they are that advanced. They don't need to have guns or lasers or any of that. Okay, what they're capable of doing though is manipulating uh, the environment around them and all light around them, and they can stop you. Uh, in a myriad of different ways of attacking them. They will not attack back. That is not how they operate. They do not attack, ever. Um, we, they are progenitors. They are parents. We are who they are, and they are not going to hurt us. Um, if they've ever been in a situation where they had like something huge coming at them in space, they can, they can push it away. They have a graviton wave that is so powerful that they can push anything out of their way. In other words, they can move you across space in a matter of seconds with that wave, and uh, you can't fight them at that point. You're done. So is the object. So that's how they operate. What was the other half of that question? Oh, goodness. It was, uh, what, what about the propulsion systems? They use, uh, they have two types of propulsion um, or that run their uh, their technology. One of them is a type of nuclear. It's more advanced than we have on our planet. It's a different nuclear element that they use. Lazar was right. It's element 115. It uh, When it burns, it becomes element 116. It has no half-life, and it's totally absorbed and used. There's no garbage left afterwards. There's nothing to get rid of. Um, they use very small amounts of it. It's so powerful that it produces what I just said, a graviton wave. It's immensely powerful. 
um, when they're traveling through space and going through interdimensional doorways or doing any anything that requires that much power, that's what they use. Coming into our atmosphere and coming down to our planet, they have to cool down. They're very, very hot. They're so hot, you see them burning white. That's pure plasma enveloping them. It's everywhere, okay? They have to cool it down because the radiation coming off that is so intense, it would fry you in seconds. So they go to batteries after that. And they have huge batteries on board, and they collect energy in them in a myriad of ways. And they go to batteries, and they spend a little bit and let their the body of the crafts. Uh, it's not just the body. It's, it's the graviton field that they're in as well has to cool down as well. And once they get to that point, then they can come down. The only difference is, is that they're still emitting EMPs. The, the engines create an e- electromagnetic pulse. And that's why people's cars turn off and lights turn off and all that kind of stuff that any, any electronics just go when they're too close to you because that's the nature of the craft to do that. All right, Neil is asking, do you have any missing time events? Do you get marks or symbols left on your body? Um, I had missing time when I was young. I mean, I was you know, not remembering everything. So, yeah, you can consider that missing time. I have two events of missing time as, as an adult since I've reached full consciousness, and they were both um, – uh, so that I could be implanted. One of them was my hand implant, and the other one was I have a nasal implant. I pulled one of them out on my own. I'm a nurse. So I'm not afraid of anything, and uh, so I uh, pulled it out, <laughs> and that was a no-no, and they knocked me out to put it in again because I would have fought fight. I'm, I don't like, I'm like every other human. If you mess with me and I think I'm not going to like it, I will tell you no. So they put it in. It it takes care of me, that implant. This one that's in my sinus uh, monitors my, uh, if anything happened to me, they would know it instantly. It monitors my body systems. It knows my heart's beating. It knows I'm breathing. It knows I'm, my well-being, that kind of thing. The one in my thigh is more, measures more of um, toxicity levels in my body. It knows if I'm you know, eating the wrong things, so if I've come in contact with a chemical or something, you know, it lets them know that I'm in trouble. And then the one in my hand, like I said, is it helps me run the craft. Wow. I'm just loving this. I'm eating this right up tonight. All right. Katie is asking, Dolly, do you know of any others that have you that you have flown with? Oh, we lost Dolly there. And we'll bring her back here momentarily. We'll get Katie's question answered when we get her back. I mean, this story, I mean, it sounds so sci-fi. It sounds so surreal, almost like a science fiction type book. But she's not the only one who has come out and said this. Grant Cameron, legendary researcher, has done numerous studies on people who claim to have flown ET craft and it is something that I find completely fascinating as someone who is a contactee because I don't know about you but I would love to do it like where would you go think about that for a second if you had control of the helm where would you go hmm I mean wouldn't it be great to pull up next to the rings of Saturn or 
maybe go see what's on the dark side of the moon. Go see what is actually on Mars. And then take it for a real rip. Canadian term there, rip. I know Dirty Filth likes that. Go for a rip, eh? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you can see the hand motions there. Filth on the... on the. There you go. Uh, you know, where would you go for a rip, man? I would totally go out. I would hit some of this, the constellations, you know? Seriously. What does it look like from the Big Dipper? What does it look like from the Pleiades or Orion's Belt? You know, I mean, are there signal lights? You know, do you get ticketed if you make a right turn without stopping? You know, this is stuff I want to know. This is stuff that I would be totally intrigued with learning about. Totally intrigued. And, you know, here, somebody like Dolly, Hi. she gets to Damn do it. Phone. It's overheating like crazy. I don't know why. I got a nice pack on it now. All right. I want to ask you, okay, stupid question, you know, but when you have been flying the craft, have you ever pulled up to another craft or seen other craft passing you? And if you do, is it like the Jeep wave where you got to give a little wave when they pass you? I mean, what's that like? Um, I've learned to find formation with them. We travel in, in uh, packs, okay? Um, yes, every now and then the odd one will be traveling around. And yes, we have a light pattern that we emit immediately. It's a signal to them. Uh, we also contact them psychically and let them know, hey, you know, which, uh, what's going on, you know? And uh, they'll either talk to us or they'll, they'll say that we're in trouble or we need, you know, it's, it's a myriad of different reasons why that'll happen. But, yeah, um, one time when I was flying uh, from I, – I sort of fly around the, the Midwest, okay, that's my territory – that I'm used to going back and forth in. And um, uh, every now and then I'll see somebody from the West or even from England somewhere, that territory, and they'll just be jerking around. And it's usually the younger pilots who are having a good time, you know, and they just go fly for a fly, you know, goof off. And then they go back to where they're going. So. Very cool. Very cool. Let's get to Katie's question. Dolly, do you know of any others personally that you have flown with? Yes. I ha there are two people that I do fly with. I can't divulge because they are live and on this planet with me. Uh, but yes, I do. All right, let's go to Holly. What did it smell like on the craft? It's very heady. Um, craft are generally warm. They're about from seventy-four to seventy-eight degrees usually, and uh, they don't use deodorant. <laughs> And it's and it's an enclosed space, and they do have circulating air, but it's all very natural. It's like being out in the woods, you know, uh, with lots of stuff around you sometimes, you know. It just depends. But, yeah, it's heady. With It's a pungent smell sometimes. Scott wants to know, what color is the control room? And, well, that adds into Filth's question as well. What do the walls look like? Um. Without a lot of turning them any other color, they're sort of chromish looking, you know, uh, like a matte type of chrome color, gray, um, sometimes lighter, almost a white gray color. 
Um, I do not prefer to be looking at, at that all the time. And I prefer the walls when I'm in, in craft to be sort of like a powder blue, you know, that's the color that I prefer to be in. And so he changes it all for me. He can make any wall, any color in the craft at any time. He also lights them. In other words, we don't have conventional lighting like you do in your house. The walls emit light. That's how we see in there. Okay. So a lot of people claim that the when you're inside the craft, the walls actually become translucent. So you can see all around you in yes. space. Is that true? Yes. yes. They can do that. They can drop. They can. I don't know how to explain it to you, but he can make everything transparent all the way around the craft. You can see 360 all the way around you. The only thing that impedes your vision is the center column that does not become transparent at all. That's an energy conduit, and you can't mess with that. But everywhere else, yeah, you almost feel like you're standing in space. It's freaky. Human car. I panicked the first time I had it happen to me, okay? Oh, wow. I, <laughs> I really I, panicked. I, I yeah. probably would, too. Human Carl wants to know, why do they sometimes move plants and animals around? Uh, because they're helping them be, with the fact that our planet's messing up right now because of everything that's going on, and they're giving them a chance to keep going. These are sentient beings as well as we are. They have souls. They live in source with us. They've chosen to be what they are. And uh, they care deeply about any living being whatsoever. So, yeah, that's why they do it. They also move things back and forth off our planet right now. If you think you've seen an animal become extinct, not really. No, they don't. They're with E.T. somewhere else. Nikki would like to know, what do you consider portals? What do I consider portals? A portal would be a light gateway. Um, my experience I have never experienced a wormhole as it's described here. I only ex have experienced light gateways. Um, that's my experience of it. I know that there have been moments where it felt like I was going down a tunnel. Okay. Um, I think that has more to do with me slowing it down in my brain. You know, like, you know, when you go up the thing, if you fight it, sometimes I'm a little bit more uh, reticent to go through for whatever reason that day. And I'll slow, slow the, my mind down. Have you ever been in trouble and you've fallen or you're going in a wreck and your brain slows everything down? Yes. That happens to me sometimes when I'm going through a light gateway and it feels like I'm going through a portal, a tunnel, you know, and it takes me a minute to catch up with it. So that, but that's my experience. All right. Uh, George is asking, is flying the craft a physical experience or an out-of-body consciousness state? It is an absolutely physical experience. In the environment that I'm in, if I didn't have Talata, I wouldn't feel the inertia at all. There is no inertia inside the environment. But Talata uh, feels it all the way around the craft, and I'm linked to him, so I get the sensation of movement from him. And uh, it helps me to fly, actually. So, yeah, that's how that works. Let's go. If at the speed we go, we turn on a dime, it would rip my brain right out my ears. So, yeah, I'm in a protected environment. So. Well, let's go to Be More Dan here. Are you aware of any craft crashing and how they crash? Because maybe it's some of these humans that are making these UFOs crash instead of teenage uh, aliens who are on their uh, joyride away from mom and dad. I'm not sure that um, I have any experience at that. I do know I've seen a crash happen 
uh, they happen more often than you know, and they're generally, we have backup. I never fly alone. There's always another craft with me. I have backup at all times. We always come in twos, okay? And if I was to go down, they would call call for help to get me off ground, to get me back out of there as quickly as possible. Some crashes are around human development that is so uh, seen and known that, or the craft is in so many, uh, busted up so badly that they can't get it off off planet and those are the ones that the american military and the militaries around the world see and grab um that's how they've back engineered quite a bit of their technology um okay so the one crash that i oh please go ahead please go ahead the one crash that i did see was um a craft that was smaller than me i call them two-seaters and they they generally those are the ones that come down to the planet to pick you up to take you to a bigger craft and um it missed a field guideline and uh it did he didn't react the pilot didn't and he went straight down and unfortunately he, it was a gray an ai gray and he perished with the craft and uh we had to deal with it mm. do they do the aliens mind if say the military gets their technology we got about 30 seconds um no it's um it's so advanced humans can't totally develop what their technology is they're approximating it right now and they know what they know it they know they're trying to develop technologies to catch up with it they're not going to do it in your lifetime or the lifetime eon eon you know it's going to be a long time before humans can you know, approximate anything that they do. So they're okay with it. It's it's a learning process for us. You know, they want us to get smart enough to come and become part of their society. It's not that big a deal. And on that note, we have Dolly Safran for another 30 minutes here on Spaced Out Radio. We're going to have a ton more questions. Might have to book her again very, very soon to come back and follow this one up. Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. All right, there we go. Uh, I have an uh, audience. Thank you. You guys have loaded me up for questions. Uh, Dolly, in the next half hour, we got about 12 questions for you. We're going to try and get through them all, uh, but there might be some audience that we do miss, and I apologize. But this is just a wealth of information. And, uh, Dolly, if you would like to come back next month as well, if you're free, we'd love to have you back sure. and, and finish this. Right. Uh, what what? Okay. Da- what um, what dates are good for you? Oh, let me think. This is June. It would have to be the second week in July sometime. How is... Second or third week. Could we do July 14th? That's a Thursday as well. Sure. All right. I'm putting you in right now. Send me an email so I can mark my calendar. I will do that. Uh, okay. There we go. It's a pretty good show, Dave. Dirty filth. You heard Dolly. Thank send you, Dolly. send her an email and reminder for uh, July fourteenth on the calendar, if you don't mind. I can do that. That's why we love you, Dirty Filth. Not only <laughs> are you an artiste, but you are a gentleman and a scholar. Oh, wow. A lot of books. Mm-hmm. 
Dirty Filth has lots of leather-bound books on his bookshelf of ma- made of mahogany. Ooh, yeah, that's yeah. nice. I love mahogany. Mm-hmm. My, my bedroom sets solid mahogany. I love it. Yeah, mahogany is gorgeous. It, it is gorgeous, especially when it's made into Les Paul guitars. Mm. Ice tea knows iced tea, which is why I get my iced tea at Raising Cane's. We're both fresh all day. Sometimes we're sweet. Sometimes we're unsweet, Jack. So celebrate National Iced Tea Day with your favorite iced teas and Raising Cane's. One love. <laughs> What's the big deal, deal? Where can you get pizza, bread twists, specialty chicken, and more for just five ninety nine each? Is it at Domino's? He hands off hand-tossed pizza and a marble cookie brownie. He's going, going, going! There's a lot of variety on the radio and at Domino's, too, where you can... Mix and match two or more. $5.99 each at Domino's. Two-item minimum. Pan pizza, bone and wings, and bread bowls will be extra. Ask for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, delivery area, and charges may vary. Mm. Ooh, that's nice. I, w- I like guitars. I play the guitar. I'm, I'm watching my son learn how to play guitar. And in like the yes. last three weeks, he's gone from like here to here. And, Ooh, and nice. it, it is just absolutely amazing. And, and, uh, oh, he's getting so talented. I just sit there and smile uh-huh. in awe. Just smile and awe. He just his teacher's just starting to teach him. My son is uh, eight, and he's just starting to teach him f- finger tapping on the fretboard. Yes. And it's like, yes. wow, just wow. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. There's so ma- there there's such sponges, you know, and their oh, brains yeah. are very fluid, and and they have the ability to just. Take it all in, you know. Oh, I know. It's, it's amazing. It's phenomenal watching him, and uh, you know he is just grasping it. And his teacher just keeps throwing it at him. He's like, "Hey, if he's going to play wow. play it, I'm going to throw it at him." I'm like, "Okay, that's right. Keep challenging him. That's right." Absolutely. It's so much, so awesome to watch, though. Holy cow, is it awesome to watch? Yeah, my daughter's all grown up now, and uh, uh, I had a blast watching her. She's very talented, and she's gifted as all get out, and she's just an amazing creature, you know? Oh, yeah. It's wonderful to watch, yes. It's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Uh, We got about 90 seconds here. Hi, Rui in Portugal. How are you? I guess this would be this morning for you. It's, what time is oh it? Oh, my there? goodness. About 8.30, 9.30 in the morning. I think you're about 10 or 11 hours. Dog That's fa- amazing. Dogface Simon, if my boy is selling out shows all over Canada and the world, I'm going to be a very happy man. Very happy man. <laughs> I just want to ride in a tour bus behind him. Help him out with the groupies. I already told him that. I'm teasing. I have not. (laughs) All right. One minute. Excuse me. 
Would I take my boy along on a craft if he wanted to go? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I would. I would. For sure. I'm taking my daughter. Okay. Uh, Nick, uh, Mr. Klaus here, a.k.a. Dirty Filth, he has emailed you about July 14th. Thank you, Thank Phil. you. Appreciate that. All right, and we got about 17 seconds. Thank you to Donnie, Andrew, Victor, and Smithy for the amazing Super Chats tonight. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. So thank you so much, and let's get going here, guys. Second half of the show starts right now. Dave, I'm going offline here. past the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate it. want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do us the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with Dolly Saffron. We have her till the top of the hour. We are talking all about ET contact, mainly, mainly talking about her flying a UFO. Dolly, welcome back. Thank you. All right, let's get Good right let's get right <laughs> to audience questions. We got a ton of them for you. And okay. let's go here. Troy is asking, are the grays carbon based? Do their bodies require nutrients or fluids? Do their bodies have plumbing to release biological waste? They are humanoid. As we are, they have the same human genome we do. We After eons of traveling in space, and they've evolved quite a bit. Um, they're hairless because of the electromagnetic energy environments that they're in. It's like electrolysis. It rips it right out of their follicles. Um, uh, they are. Uh, they eat, they drink, they sleep, they poop, they pee, they have sex, they do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go over to Vaughn, who has a pair of questions for you. Dolly, have you met Venusians, Martians, or any other aliens who may live in our solar system? Um, well, we we actually could claim being Martians, all of us. Are, we are from that planet. Um, we had a rogue planet come in with a couple of uh, huge asteroids, and it belted us really hard. There was another full planet in our system that got turned into rubble mars got thrown out of its or elliptical orbit and it it blasted the entire outside of the planet it rang it like a bell and it just lost all of it it deadened its core excuse me um it has no more magnetosphere it's cold, cold stone cold dead um it is outgassing at this moment uh before that happened though they knew it was coming and they got us out of there and they took us to safety. Uh, it was a long time before anybody was allowed back here. And Earth wasn't really considered right away. They had to 
scope out the situation with this planet because it had life evolving on it, dinosaurs and stuff like that. Um, I think the uh, reptilians, you know, uh, I call them lizard people, but were on the planet. They're from here, and they're evolving as well. And, um, yeah, that's basically what's going on with that. So you can you can say you're kind of a Martian. Venusians, no. Um, uh, I'm, I don't... I'm going to be honest with you. If you consider the fact that the system that we live in, our whole universe is a physical construct, okay? And there are 12 dimension, dimensions all over it in the same, you know, we all live in these 12 dimensions together. You and I are speaking on a, on a video with one another. And so what's in my 12 dimensions is also in yours. We've, we're meeting right now. Um, people talk about guardian angels and stuff. Those are interdimensional beings that are in the same space with us. We're all together. You just can't see them, but they can come through and help you from time to time. They know who you are. They watch you grow up. They know about you. And, uh, so they do help us from time to time. Uh, angels, the people believe, uh, they've seen angels are really actual higher dimensional beings as well. They're light bodied individuals and they look like angels for real. And they do come and help us as well. Um, we are, like I said, we are uh, the children of these entities, and they watch over us quite a bit. Follow-up from Vaughn. Do you remember all events with you, or do you remember just bits and pieces? I I am now connected to all my memories. I remember all the way back. As a matter of fact, my memory is pretty cool. I uh, When I was two weeks old, my parents left Georgia and put me in a, my mom had a pram and they put me in the pram, you know, it lifted off the wheelbase and they put me in the backseat of the car and we drove to Miami. My dad had, a, had to, you know, come down for working and um, I, I remember laying in the pram and looking out the window and everything going zoom, 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 real fast by the window. And then my second real straight memory was when I was 10 months old and I was being levitated out of my crib and I freaked out. And I tried to flip over and go back down. And it was a joke in my family because I refused to sleep right in the crib after that. I kept hanging my legs out or holding on with my foot because I didn't want to go for that ride again. It was disturbing to me when I was young. So Don't yeah. blame you. I know what that's like. Neil would like to know, do you remember what the nasal implantation was like? Did they use a tool to insert it? Um. Yes. And... um. It was uh, very quick, and I have only a brief click of memory for some reason. The rest of it I don't remember. They they pretty much knocked me out for it, and it, it goes up your sinus, and it goes and just implants. You know, they somehow trigger it, and it just, bink, it goes in like a piercing in your nose. This one I can feel still. I can, you know, <laughs> put my finger up there and go plink, plink, plink. People can hear me clicking it, you know. It's metallic. Hmm. No, no, you're not picking. You're playing. I am playing, yes. All right. Donnie would like to know, how many different races do you know are out there? Could you break them down a little bit? Uh, yeah, I've met a few. Um, I know who the Anunnaki are. I've met an, a couple of Anunnaki. Um, they're winged, actually, and they have really, really cool wings. Um, they can't fly in our environment. They're too gravity heavy here, but in their environment, there's less gravity and they do fly. Um, I've met tall whites. I am I am a hybrid and I am part tall white and I'm part gray. I have those two ethnicities in me. 
um, uh, they're very cool. They're very, very tall. They get taller and taller and taller as they grow. Um, when they're young, when they're born, I think I saw one very uh, newborn baby, tall, white, and it probably weighed 40 pounds. Wow. It was a big boy. <laughs> okay. And they just go from there. They get very, very, very tall. They're very um, protective of their people. And um, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure I understand that, what that is. Um, I've seen uh, entities that look like Ra. You know, they're bird-like. They have clawed hands. And they're beautiful. And they do have wings also. I've seen uh, entities that look like Horus, the dog. And uh, they're, they're very, very cool. Oh, my God. They're immense. They're powerfully built. And um, they're a little standoffish. And uh, But I did get to see them. I saw them twice. Once on a craft. And once I was doing a, a, a remote view of a CE5 in Georgia. And I ran right into one. I freaked out. I was like, what are you doing? One of our members is a hybrid of theirs. And they watch over him. And that's how I met him. Right. Um, oh, please go ahead. Okay, I I've, I've seen a mantis, mantid in my lifetime. Uh, I had a kidney transplant in 2016, and I was recuperating uh, in uh, near the coast of Georgia, and um, I was in the house alone. Everybody was out shopping or something, and I was sitting in the living room looking out the door. It's a really really blustery day that day, high winds, everything, and I'm looking across, you know, the quad into the tree line and I see something moving and I'm like, what the hell is that? You know, I was trying to, is it a deer? Is it a cow? What is it? And I stood up and I took my camera cause I could, you know, zoom a little bit. And, uh, I started looking through my, it was a Motorola flip top. Okay. And all of a sudden I saw what I was looking at and I was like, mm, this is not a cow. This is not a deer. What the hell? And just as I got that thought in my head, it stood up. It was over eight feet tall. It was a mantis. Oh. And it looked me dead in the face while I dropped everything and hauled ass out the door. I went running down there right after a kidney transplant. God only knows what I was thinking. And it, in its mind, it sent me the message. We are the watchers. We watch over you. And then it turned and walked away. And I could not keep up with it. I tried. I could not. And uh, that. That's my only experience with them, and I never forgot. Can you tell I'm excited about it? Wow. <laughs> you get, like, some, wow. You get some aliens during, cool. right after surgery. You get the hell out. That's just plain yeah. and simple. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of an Amazon. You know, I, I have uh, the ability to heal very fast. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a super healer, and uh, but I was tired. I mean, it was only a few days after I got home from the hospital, and, you know, so I wasn't 100% yet. After the transplant, that's why it took me a while to, you know, come after this thing. This guy, it was a guy, and uh, Weird. um, I've seen a reptilian. Uh, when I was a teenager, I used to go out and dig up Indian burial mounds up in the glades. You know, they have hammocks, you know, hardwood hammocks in the glades. You know, in the swampy areas, right? And uh, natives used to bury their their dead out there or they lived on them for extended periods of time and i was kind of into archaeology so i was out there digging away and i was done for the weekend and i was packing up and i felt something and i felt it in my mind as well something was lurking and looking at me and i turned over my right shoulder and he was about 20 feet behind me and all he had on his mind was lunch and i <laughs> you know nope. you you find that you can turn into you know 
what's with the flash? <laughs> I dropped everything. I s jumped into the water. My canoe was over on another Indian mound just away from it and went through the sawgrass, all of it, grabbed the canoe and just kept pushing it till I got out of there. I refused to go back. I was like, no, no, mm -mm, can't make me go get my stuff. No. And I, I didn't even know what it was until I told Preston about it. He, Cause I called it the rep, the, the lizard guy. So he's like, Dolly, that's a reptilian. <laughs> wow. So, Ooh. and, uh, I've learned a little bit about them over the years. I've learned to respect who they are. They're evolving. They're intelligent. They're psychic. And, um, they're no touch. That's what I've learned that, you know, don't bother them and they're learning. So we go with that. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Next question from Holly. Have you ever heard music playing while on board? Yes. I play my music while I'm on board. <laughs> um, they play music as well. They love classical music. Um, Talata has a thing for Victor Borga. He drives me crazy with it, but yes, they play music. They write their own music as well. They're very musical beings. They can speak in the language of the tonal quality, you know, music, musically. So, yes, we're always playing something. Wow. Do they listen to a lot of earthly music? Yes. Yep. They sure do. They I, appreciate I, us a lot. I'm, I'm yep. going to tell you right now, if I get on craft, it's going to be very heavy metal. Very heavy. That's what I listen to. I'm a heavy metal girl. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I listen to my heavy metal. This is just getting more and more oh. victorious <laughs> yeah. as we speak. Let's go over to the United Kingdom. Good morning, Jonathan. He is asking, describe the light on the ceiling of the craft, please. Um, the, the skins on the inside of the craft can light up and do anything. Everybody uh, that's on craft, the entity will kind of accommodate them and give them what they feel comfortable with. So whatever that person saw on craft is what they expected to see. And Talat, the entity, if it was Talat's craft, he would have given them what they wanted to see. Right. Okay. So the idea that... Um... The entire ship lights up from yes. the walls. Is that yep. is like that, a cuttlefish? Yeah, like a cuttlefish. Okay, thank you. Great example. Great example. Let's go to Tony in the United Kingdom. Good morning, Tony. And what is the most amazing thing that the craft can do? Um, this I've actually seen. And it, uh, it stopped me dead in my tracks. First time I ever saw it happen. Uh, the floor can be completely flat, and he can raise furniture up in it. Uh, you know, the shapes of furniture. He can raise a table. He can raise a chair. I've even seen him raise a couch for people. You know, try to make it as homey for them as possible. He can extend or expand the size of him. He can blow himself up like a balloon and become bigger if he needs to. Wow. All right, let's go to another question from, uh, oh, Johnny already asked that one. Never mind, let's go over to Logan, who is asking, do any ET crashes crash purposefully as performance art? No, no. No, that's a very, very, very what a morbid interesting question. question, and no, they do not do it on purpose, ever. Wow. Yes, I'm going to die today as performance art. I love it, Logan. <laughs> love it. No. And I'm, uh, trust me, I'm no. not making fun. I'm not making fun. 
Let's go to Human Carl. Human Carl is asking, do you ever feel telepathic intentions from someone or group attempting CE5 type occurrences? Um, I am what you call wide open psychic. I use every about all of that ability that I can uh, at my disposal and I can hear everything everybody thinks i'm not only empathic but i hear your what you're thinking and uh i choose not to because it's an invasion of your privacy okay uh what i have to do is shield myself from it push it away you're not thinking about it but when i'm in ce5 and i'm uh helping everybody to meditate to bring crap down to send the message to them i will um enjoin with them in that that meditation and I can feel what they're feeling. I feel their elation. I feel their fear, everything, all of it. Yes. All right. Let's go to another question from human Carl here. Do the aliens that you met worship any deity? No, not at all. They have a conception of uh, their conception of what you would call God is that the universe is uh oh. Hold on. I have to have a plug in. Hold on. Uh oh. Hold on. I'm, I'm holding. Dolly's Hold on. My phone's Do- over. Dolly's running in order to make sure that she gets past the 1% mark again. There we go. We okay. survived. <laughs> We survive. Okay. Um, Good stuff, Todd. They, they believe that the universe is conscious, that we're all part of it, and we're in the source of this consciousness. This is where we all live, okay? And it is a, if you want to call it God, yes, but it is not a deity with a big stick that's going to hammer you over the head if you do something wrong, okay? There's no punishment. All it is is wisdom, learning, love, life, joy, all of that. That's what they understand. It's not a belief. It's something that they've learned to understand. All right, let's go to IHES. Do you have knowledge about the secret cipher of the UFO knots? Do I have what? Say it again. Knowledge about the secret cipher of the UFO knots. Now, I'm not sure what they're alluding to. Okay, Alan Greenfield wrote a book back in 1994 called The Secret Cipher of the UFO Knots, where everything is in code. And it's like code-breaking. But for you, I don't see it going down that road because you've had it so naturally your entire life. They have uh, a language that they can speak, enunciate. Um, I've taught everybody one of the words. It's called I'm ready. You say I'm ready to go, I'm ready. And it's atriar. Iced tea knows iced tea, which is why I get my iced tea at Raising Cane's. We're both fresh all day. Sometimes we're sweet. Sometimes we're unsweet, Jack. So celebrate National Iced Tea Day with your favorite iced teas and Raising Cane's. One love. Gorgeous gaming, stunning streams, unbelievable bandwidth. It's another Lifestyles of Gagillionaires. Meet the AT&T Fiber customers winning at life with hyper gig speeds. Meet Gagillionaire Terry. While his love of streaming horror movies has him constantly on the edge of his seat, his internet bill won't give him a scare. Oh, don't go in there. I'm telling you. Because since Terry upgraded to AT&T Fiber with hyper gig speeds, he doesn't worry about data caps or equipment fees. Come on, man. The door's open for a reason. And best yet, he also doesn't stress about a price increase at 12 months. Because with the amazing Gagillionaire lifestyle comes an exquisite sense of tranquility. (laughs) 
most of the time. Live like a gagillionaire. Get straightforward pricing with AT&T Fiber, internet that upgrades everything. No data caps, no equipment fees, and no price increase at 12 months. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Like that. Um, there are other words that I could teach you. I don't have the time now. It's too hard to pronounce. It took me a long time to learn that. Um, they also have a mental language that they all speak all the way across the universe. Uh, they psychic languages, conceptual language. It's not got words like we're speaking to one another now. They speak in concepts and visual visual images and things like that. And it's rapid, very rapid. Um, they will use um, symbols for humans because we've been taught to use symbols. And so, yes, they will leave messages for us. They will they will write things down, and it is a type of symbology that they have out there that we can learn. Yes. Okay, let's continue on here. As uh, let's get to Pam. Have you ever flown on other planets besides Earth? I've been to other planets, many. Yes. What's your- um, when I was young, I was taught on one of their homeworlds, the Tall Grays. It's in the Orion cluster. And um, it is a planet that's bigger than Earth, and it's got a very a much lower gravity. Um, they have trees that are <laughs> unbelievable. They're like skyscraper. You know uh, Devil's Tower on Earth? That was that a tree. That was a tree. That was a tree. Yeah. Team Stump. Yeah. Dolly is on yeah. Team Stump. Hold on. Let us cheer okay. for this. Dolly, <laughs> you know, we have some ridiculous people out there who believe that it was an it's an actual rock found formation but no 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 you tell the truth you speak the truth devil's yes. tower is team stump people uh-huh. yeah they're all over the planet there are other examples they're all over south america you know the stumps are much closer to the ground because the wind cut them down closer to the ground but oh yeah they're everywhere i got one 25 minutes from my house Woo! yeah that's exciting that's very exciting that's very exciting. Yep, got a nice you need to go out there and take a picture yourself on it. I Get do. somebody to go over your house with a over you drone and take a picture of you. Well, I got pictures of myself from from underneath. I did. Okay. So nice. It, it is kind of cool. It is very cool. I and uh, there is a a picture of ours right there. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, look and, at that. That's fantastic. There's one of Dave right underneath the the stump there. Oh my God! Isn't that cool? Yeah, that is beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. Absolutely, I am. You know what? You are now one of my favorite guests ever for for making that statement. Making that Thank statement. You. The Devil's Tower is an actual tree stump. I love yes. you. No wonder. Absolutely. No wonder Preston thinks you're awesome. Oh, well, I agree. <laughs> Fantastic. I think, I, I, yeah, I think Preston's awesome too. So, yeah. okay. Oh, Team Stump. Yes, 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 yes. All right. Uh, let's. Uh, you were saying, okay, you've been to other planets, and the the planet. I'm curious here for a second. The planet you went to in Orion. Yes. Just below the belt, in between the bottom two stars. South of the bottom two stars. Um, if you go to the third star on the right and you go di- di- straight down from it, that's where it's at. 
third. Would that be the lowest one or the highest one? The lowest one. The, in the belt, okay, there's the three stars in the belt, okay? And it's the the third star to the right that you're looking at. And you go straight down, and there's a big star there. That's it. That's their, that's their star system right there. <laughs> yeah. I had a feeling. I had a feeling. One more question from Donnie tonight. Of all the races and other than humans, which race is considered the problem race? Uh, well, without, I don't have the time to give you the whole history of this. Okay. And, and they've since worked it out. Okay. But the Anunnaki were a problem for everybody. Okay. The Anunnaki were somehow this iteration that we're going through now, we're supposed to help our society learn and start off and do all the things. And they did some things that kind of made things impossible for us to not be violent and not be, you know, negative and stuff like that and i don't know if they consciously knew they were doing it that way or what but they've been you know taken to task over it the anunnaki are no longer on this planet and not allowed in at all okay that's why so yeah they were the problem children okay i may not agree with you on that one we may end on a disagreement on that one that's okay that's all right Somebody that I know may have a couple of 10-foot Anunnaki members as bodyguards. Oh, 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 well, are they OBE or are they physical? Both. Ooh. Wow. We'll talk. Okay, thank you. I I would be very interested to know this, okay? We will talk. I don't know everything, right. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we're going to leave it on a cliffhanger. We will talk to you again on July 14th. You're going to return for number two here because I'm blown away by you, Dolly. And I hope Preston doesn't mind us stealing your time. But uh, Dolly Saffron, just an amazing guest. Coming up next, we're going to head to the swamp with Swamp Dweller. Super Duke is here. Then it's Dave 101 time and Shirky Poo's News. Check it out. Space Out Radio Hour 3 is next. Okay. Okay. You were wonderful. Wonder- oh, thank you very much. So are you. This was so much uh, fun. Yes, it was. I, I had a wonderful time. I've been looking forward to this for weeks, just so you know. And uh, I, I'm going to keep coming back to your chat rooms. You know, I'm up you. all night anyway, so thank you. I, I look forward to it. You got a lot of nice people in there. We do, and they abs- they're going to love you even more after tonight. <laughs> uh, they're all cheering you on. So if you go Aww, in the chat room right you. now, they are cheering you on right now, and I know they're excited that we're coming back, especially now that we know you are a member of the Team Stump Clan. Team Stump. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. See you, Dolly. All right. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, Dolly Saffron. I love her. Her energy is amazing. Amazing. I'll be right back, and then I'll bring in Super Duke, who uh, has left sushi in her his cage tonight. But that's okay. We'll be right back.
All right. Super Duke time. Morning, Commonwealth Andrew. Cashew, how you doing, buddy? Nicholas, good to see you. There's Super Dukey Duke. Hey, baby, babe. What's happening, buddy? <laughs> it's as late at night. I have two different things we could talk about. Are you interested in hearing more about giants in Southeast Asia or and play the is it a giant or is it a giant Bigfoot game? Or would you like to hear about the indestructible monster from Persia that used to plague the world back in the olden days? Indestructible monster from Asia. Persia. Persia. Let's do it. <coughs> Super Duke. Super Duke. Busy, busy, busy editing for Sunday's show with the return of Blaine Tyler, Canada's finest. Mm-hmm. He's going to be doing a little retrospective on when the inimitable Dr. John Bindernagel came to visit him 10 years ago and got the tour around his research area. Beautiful. He's also going to show some pictures and video that he has never showed to the public before. That is stellar. So it should be fun. What time on Sunday? It should be fun. 8 Central on Sunday. Oh. Remind me, I want to see that. Uh, big thank you to Donnie Times 2, Victor, Smithy, uh, Victor again, and Andrew for the Super Chats tonight. Very much appreciate it. Thank you to all the veterans tuning in. Hi, Pleiadian Starseed. Good to see you. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Kicking off the third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Tasenda. Tasenda is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again where we head into the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller brings us another spooky story. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. So my trucking route is from here, in Connecticut, down to Kentucky and Tennessee. It's a pretty good run. I get to see all the sights of the East Coast. But one area of the country gets wild. The area around the Appalachian Mountains. 
You guys probably know that one of the country's poorest areas got screwed over as the coal mining jobs dwindled and the local economy went down the crapper. I feel for those people down there. Seeing how entrenched in poverty some families are is truly heartbreaking. So I was rolling through an area of the state that I hadn't previously been through. Thanks to my usual section of the highway being blocked off by some traffic accident that had unfortunately left a few people dead. I was having some trouble navigating the roads after my phone ran out of battery. And wouldn't you know it, the plug charger decided to give out too. Worst timing ever. But I was an experienced truck driver and wasn't driving an 18-wheeler on that run. So I was free to take some more of the minor roads to find my way around. But even though I considered myself pretty good on the streets... There was a point when I found myself hopelessly lost, and I started to worry that I wouldn't make my shipping delivery deadline. That would mean disciplinary proceedings, and I could not afford those. So anyway, I happened to see this guy wandering down the side of the road. So I slow my truck down, wind down the window, and ask him for directions. The guy seems friendly enough and is willing to take a few minutes to give me all the information I need to make it back onto the main highway that are headed south. But then I started asking him if there was anywhere nearby that I could get some lunch, as it was getting towards about 1 in the afternoon, and I'd only managed to get myself a meager breakfast. The guy seems to think for a minute, scratching his head, taking an unusually long time to think of an answer to this question that usually would only take a few seconds to answer. It's rare to be anywhere in West Virginia where there isn't a Cracker Barrel within a few miles, so why he didn't just point me in the direction of one of those was beyond me. When I pressed him, he told me he knew of an old family-run place that did the best chicken fried steak in the entire county, maybe even the state. Suddenly, all was forgiven. Now, I might be a northerner, but I'll be damned if I turn down a good chicken fried steak. All that was taking so long was for him to try and remember the best way there that wouldn't take me down some run-down old dirt road. One which might get my truck stuck on it, which would have left me screwed. So after a minute, he gave me a detailed direction toward an old strip mall. He told me it was mostly abandoned, but the restaurant was still there. Along with a few other smaller businesses, and not to pay any mind that the place seemed quiet during lunch. As it did most of its business in the early morning to late evening. I was happy enough, thanked the guy, then set off following the directions he had given me. So it took me a little while to find the old strip mall the guy was talking about. It was a little frustrating to drive past a couple of chain restaurants and whatnot given that I was so hungry. But goddamn, if I wasn't craving some of that country style, chicken fried steak, and if it was really a family-run place, then all the better. The chain restaurant stuff doesn't cut it compared to the authentic, home-style cooking. But eventually, I found this rundown old strip mall the guy seemed to be talking about, and it was a wonder that this place was in such a state of disrepair. It was way off any highway. There were absolutely no signs, anywhere. Literally nothing to let you know it was there. But even worse, I saw no indication that any kind of restaurant was open in any of the units. I wasn't about to give up so easily though, as I saw one place with a big old sign saying something like, Mama J's Country Kitchen, or some weird variation. So my hopes were restored. That's when I see a guy open the door of the place, stepping out into the afternoon heat and staring over at my truck. I gave him away from the driver's side, overjoyed that I was finally about to get some decent food on what had been a long, lonely drive down from Connecticut. I figured he hadn't seen me do it, that or the sun was obscuring his vision or something, because he just continued to stare back at me. 
I get out of my truck, lock the doors, and walk to the restaurant. I called out to the guy halfway across the parking lot asking if they were open for business. Again, the guy doesn't react. He keeps staring at me in a distinctly unwelcoming way that I notice. Something in my gut just told me to stop walking. I had this creeping feeling all over my body like something was telling me that something was wrong with this whole setup. And no sooner had I started feeling distinctly vulnerable, the guy reached behind his back, pulling something out of his back pocket, and put it on his head. At first I thought it was a woolly hat, but then he pulled it down, and I realized it was a balaclava. Then I noticed something else in his hand, a small revolver. I turn and start running back to the truck, and as I do, I see a few other guys emerging from the derelict units, each running towards my car and trying to cut me off. Each had a weapon in their hand, be it a knife or an iron bar, and seeing those just made me run even faster. Thank God I had gotten that feeling when I did, otherwise they would have made it to the truck before I did. I threw the door open, jumped inside, and locked the cab behind me, trembling as I was rummaging from my pocket, trying to get my keys. The bandits surrounded the cab of my truck, hitting the chassis with their weapons and demanding I get out. The guy with the gun aimed it right at my face through the windshield, screaming for me to get the hell out of the truck. I had no choice but to do what I did. I gunned the engine and plowed the whole bunch of them, knocking down those who didn't jump out of the way of mine. I leaned down in my seat as I gripped the wheel out of pure instinct, and again, I thank God I did. Because when I did that, and I hit the guy with the gun, he let loose a single shot that shattered the windshield and struck the seat just above my head. I circled the parking lot expecting the following image to come at any moment, but only the bandits that had gotten out of my way of my initial truck charge were chasing me. Two or three were lying on the concrete, rolling around in pain while the others held on to their limbs. I think it's about the only thing that saved me, having the presence of mind to ram them instead of trying to reverse out of there. If that had been my choice, I might not be around to tell you this story. I got out of that parking lot, speeding off blindly in the first direction I could until I found somewhere to park up and call the cops safely. The sheriff's deputy I spoke to told me to swing on by the department when I was able to, so I could give a statement, and I did exactly that. But not until I'd managed to get some lunch, as not even the terror of almost getting hijacked and getting killed would dull my appetite. I guess that makes me sound goddamn fat, but you guys need to appreciate just how hungry I was. Down at the department, however, I learned that I was not the first truck driver to have this issue. I was not the first one at all, actually, to run into these- Ice tea knows iced tea, which is why I get my iced tea at Raisin Cane's. We're both fresh all day. Sometimes we're sweet, sometimes we're unsweet, Jack. So celebrate National Iced Tea Day with your favorite iced teas and Raisin Cane's. One love. Progressive presents Married to Your Home. I'm disgusting. Oh, house, don't say that. You could live someplace so much better than me. That's not true. Oh, yeah? Look at these uneven stairs. Gross. House, you know I don't care. Ugh, and the squeaky door hinge. I think it's cute. No matter how much you already love your house, you'll love it more knowing you could save big bundling your home and auto with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Bandits. How I'd been just unlucky enough to ask directions from one of their kinfolk, who had directed me to a rundown strip mall just before calling his buddies to let them know I'd be there. At least, that's the only conclusion we came to once I described the guy I had asked directions from. The deputy seemed to nod knowingly when I related this guy's physical description. I'm warning you guys to be very careful when you're out on the roads. And although it seems like 
a tired old cautionary tale from your Facebook posting aunt, be careful when you talk to strangers. There's no way of knowing who they actually are. Oh, we say thank you to Swamp Dweller once again for another exciting spooky story right here on Spaced Out Radio. The Swamp Dweller joins us nightly and you can check him out on his YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Make sure you do. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. All right. It is time once again where we head into the cryptid report from world big four radio. It's super Duke Dookie Sullivan. How you doing there, Super Duke for World Bigfoot Radio? Oh, hold on. Hold on, hold on. There we go. There we go. How you doing, buddy? I was just enjoying that uh, report from Swampy there. That was pretty scary. You got to look for those. Look out and be careful. Those uh, deep-fried southern desperados that want to mug you and take your chicken-fried steak away. That is not a good thing. You know what? You can have my vehicle, but leave the chicken-fried steak alone. I'm sorry. There are certain That's things right. that I will die over. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A good meal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially the true authentic southern fried, you know, chicken fried steak. I've, I've never, it goes right along with the, the double feature there. Get out, you kids, get out my lawn and leave the chicken fried steak. Right, right. I've never had that. Never had that. See, the, the sad part of living in Canada where I do, we don't get those chicken fried steaks or the high quality, you know, Tex-Mex food that you get in in uh, Texas, or some of that southern fried, uh, you know, crawfish and corn. I want to try one of those. You know, you, you know where they put it, everything in a big boiler, and there's lemons in there, and oranges, and onions, and mm-hmm. potatoes. I, I forget what those are called, but every time I well, see they do one, fish boils and stuff too where they'll throw in like pieces of sausages and shrimp oh, scallops a yeah. bunch of different veggies boil everything together freaking awesome yeah I, I've always wanted to try that I might have to just one day just say screw it head down to like Louisiana and and try some of that out yeah yeah got one of my best friends that I talk to almost every day lives right down there in Nolans Nolans down in Louisiana. So anyway, we're going to talk about horrifying cryptid from the ancient past tonight. What do you say, Dave? Good. You got 10 minutes, my friend. Okay. Well, this one's very interesting. It comes up from the very distant past, and either it was the naughty, naughty Anunnaki or the Zetas or somebody playing around with their little junior science kit apparently created these things because, uh, you know, they talk about different kinds of chimeras which are combinations of creatures that couldn't exist in nature. And apparently this seems like one of them, but this story has been sticking around for a long, 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 long time. In the depths of the Indian jungles, a creature lurks, hungry for prey. Its head is that of a man with a long beard, but its body is that of a mighty lion. The mighty beast has a magnificent tail that stretches out behind it. The tail resembles that of a scorpion and has many stings which it uses like arrows to render its prey defenseless. And this comes out in all the stories about it. It, It's got like these little barbed spikes that it can throw with its tail. 
with much the same damage as getting hit by an arrow, except they're poisoned too. This terrible beast lurks in the reeds and appears to its victims as an old man until it's too late. When it strikes, no evidence is left behind. It is the mighty Manticore. Manticore is a mythological creature that was said to be unconquerable. The mighty beast is best known for its strange but magnificent features. It's often said the beast has the head of a man, body of a lion, tail of a scorpion. Thought to be one of the mightiest of beasts and capable of devouring every animal in the jungle, except for elephants. There is no given explanation for why these creatures were unable to defeat elephants. Only documentation that for some reason, elephants seem to be able to evade even the most powerful of the manticores. The word itself comes from a Persian name for the beast, Manticorus, thought to loosely translate as man-eater. Uh, it is said to make do with only, it will eat almost anything, but prefers human flesh and will make do with one man if that's all that's available, but would much rather prefer to lie and wait for a minimum of two or three men and devour them all. It was rumored that the Manticore was able to kill three men at once without issue and could likely take more than that number if the opportunity presented itself. Now, according to legend, the Manticore was seen as an apex predator that couldn't be matched by man. The beast was supposedly known to have incredible speed that not even the fastest man could compete with in a chase. In addition to this, the body of the manticore was similar to a lion. This meant the beast had long, sharp claws that it could use to tear apart its victims if the opportunity arose. The beast was supposedly capable of ripping a man apart with one swipe of its mighty paws. Though the claws of the beast were no doubt intimidating, many recorded tales suggest that the manticore rarely relied on them. The tail of the beast resembled that of a scorpion, had several large barbs or stings that came off the sides, and one that rested at the tip of the tail. These were poisonous and could be used to prick the victim if in close proximity. Distance, however, didn't seem to slow them down, as they were able to flick their tail and hurl these barbs at a distance of up to 100 feet. Those who were hit then became paralyzed. The beast was then free to devour the victim without a struggle. The manticore was famed for eating its victims whole and leaving nothing behind. While many other beasts of the forest are able to devour the entirety of a human, the manticore took its feasting a step further. In addition to eating all of its victims' remains, it also ate their clothing, money, and other possessions. Because of this, there was often little evidence that the manticore had struck, aside from trace amounts of blood. This is also part of the reason the beast was so feared by so many. Whenever a person went missing entirely, and searches failed to return any trace of their body or possessions, <clears throat> missing 411, the loss of the person was blamed on a manticore attack. It was claimed that the manticore lured people in by laying in tall grass or reeds. This would hide its magnificent huge body and show only the head of what appeared to be a bearded man. Many victims were said to have ventured too close to the beast, only to be devoured by its triple rows of razor-sharp teeth in upper and lower jaw. It was thought that those who ventured too close to the beast failed to notice several key signs. Most notable of these signs was said to be the sound of music. It was thought the manticore was unable to speak in human languages, but had a voice similar to that of a trumpet. Now, let me diverge here for a second. Um, a lot of other reports that I've read about this from the olden days and stories about it talk about it being able to stun people with its voice. Oh. And if they're comparing this thing to a tiger, that's really revealing and perplexing because it's only very recently that we found out that tigers have infrasound. 
and they can stun and disorient animals with them. We think Bigfoot can do the same thing, by the way. And so it's very interesting that they somehow ascribe this power to this creature, which theoretically certainly seemed like it could have something like that, um, in addition to the other weird properties. So it can stun you with its voice. It could disorient you. It could just knock you out. Sperm whales are known to do that too. Yep. Elephants communicate long distances with each other with infrasound. Right. Um, So... Uh, anyway, uh, seeing that the head of the man in the grass, or the appearance of the man, they likely thought they were approaching. They assumed it was a person until it actually jumped at him. It was often said it looked like a, a, a man's head, a bearded man with blue or gray eyes. But it's safe to say that few who saw the color of the beast eyes lived to tell the story later. There were, however, measures that could be taken to ensure that these beasts were not able to grow into predators that were impossible to escape from. Records show that it was believed a manticore could be hunted while it was young in order to prevent the development of one of its most fearsome attributes, its tail. Supposedly, skilled hunters were able to track down the young manticore cubs because their tails hadn't yet developed the deadly barbs they could throw at them. It was thought that if one could capture a manticore and stomp on its tail hard enough, the tail would become deformed and wouldn't be able to grow the deadly stings that rendered villagers and travelers helpless against the beast. Other than this, and, and it makes you wonder, like, if you if you caught it and you could stomp on its tail, why not just kill it? What? Wait, why? <laughs> why are you letting it live? Okay, other than this, fighting the manticore was thought to be futile. It was believed that the fur of the manticore is impenetrable, and any weapon used against the body of the beast would be in vain. Though no known records support the thought, some have hypothesized that the only place a manticore was vulnerable was actually in the inside of its mouth. However, even if a manticore is able to be killed with a fatal blow to the mouth, it is thought the creature would simply resurrect, as it was thought to have mythical powers. And now the interesting thing is this whole legend got passed along to the ancient Greeks, who also had their own stories and descriptions of it, which is very, very similar. Um... Great emphasis is given to the body of the beast. The body of the manticore is always described as being similar to that of a lion, but with a brilliant hue of red, often recorded as being scarlet in color. And I've also heard this reported as being uh, like a very dark orange. Manticore's body is often much larger than that of a normal lion and capable of performing impressive feats. Most notable of these, of course, is perhaps its surprisingly fast and agile speed. It is said that not even the fastest man can match the speed of a manticore when it's in pursuit of its prey. Additionally, the claws of the beast are known to be extremely sharp. With one swipe of its mighty paws, it could tear a man apart. Last but certainly not least is the fearsome tail of the mighty beast. Again, the tail is said to resemble that of a scorpion with several stings and barbs on it. If in close proximity to its prey, it can use the stings to stab it. Or, however, distance does not limit this feature If the manticore is far away from its intended prey, it has the option of shooting these things at its victim, flicking its tail and throwing them. Everyone that's thrown from its tail uh, of the creature is quickly replaced with another so that the manticore can continue its onslaught until it's successful and has rendered its victims and prey defenseless. Also important note again with the human head, can't speak languages, and again they mention the trumpet-like sound of its voice. Apparently, it's extremely cunning, often noted for its impressive appetite. It's said to use clever tactics to lure groups of people into range 
so that it can pounce on them and devour their entire being. Nothing uh, creepy about this, Duke. Nothing creepy about this. No, this is a totally friendly thing. Again, what were they going to make pets out of them? Just stamp on its tail so it can't throw barbs at you. It'll make a good pet. What, are you crazy? So anyway, that is the legend of the manticore, and we can hope that they don't actually exist. Um, but here's an interesting side note. About two years ago, one of my friends over in Washington State called me at 2 o'clock in the morning, really scared and shook up. And I said, what's going on? And they said, Duke, I just went out on the porch to have a cigarette, and I saw this weird thing two houses down across the street. There was actually two of them, and they were over by the hedge and, like, looking at each other or something. And I said, well, what did these weird things look like? Was it Bigfoot? She said, no, 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 no. They looked like a giant orange house cat with really long hair but about the size of a lion, and they had a face on them that kind of looked like a person. And it looked like they were, like, talking to each other or something but i couldn't hear anything and one of them turned and looked at me and it gave me this look like oh you're not supposed to see me and they both vanished mm. she has no idea what a manicure is holy cow super duke from world bigfoot radio we got 10 seconds here let everybody where they know where they can find you you can find me in all the usual places youtube brighty on rumble odyssey BitChute, and speaking of Rumble, I am now connected up to their social media platform, which they've absorbed. Locals, so come find me over there, too. All right, Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. Check him on out, hit subscribe. Coming up next, I'm feeling it. I'm getting a little angry. The Dave 101 is next on Spaced Out Radio. Super Duke. Super Dave's Duke. Rant 101 coming up oh. next. Dave's Rant 101. Oh, I am pissed off. Good. This yeah. should be a good epic rant. I'm still getting comments on that show you did with me last time of people going, tee that was hilarious. You guys are great. <laughs> yeah. I hope you edited that one a little bit. <laughs> Well, and you should go back and actually look at it. Yeah, there's the one part where you actually said like three swear words, and I edited out all the vocals for about three sentences and put spectacular expletives deleted to make it look like you were really going on at it <laughs> because it looked like you were. So, you know, I couldn't resist. And there was actually a part where I said things I shouldn't have, and I deleted myself too. <laughs> oh, if people would have seen the original copy of that, holy cow. <laughs> It was great. They'd love you even more. You'd have 200 more subs than you have now. Oh, yeah. Let me, uh, hold on. <laughs> it starts out like this. Well, you know, if I was one of the guys that was on the board of directors at the BFRO, the first meeting, I'd walk in and brrr, expletives delete. <laughs> I think I said you're effing fired, right? <laughs> and Dave's like, oh, no, people aren't going to like me anymore. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You're going to get 500 subs as soon as people see this. Oh, my goodness. Holy cow, 66 comments on that one. Uh, let's see here. And uh, and if you didn't go watch the Gugly Reports, you still got to go watch it because you're you're hurting my feelings. I made a special birthday present for you and you didn't look at it yet. I will. I will. I promise you. 
all 15 minutes where you can skip the beginning and end and then it's like 12 minutes so it's not very long Dave <laughs> I promise you I will <laughs> Oh. You'll enjoy it. I, I've got an epic horror movie out of it. You know me. I like to overdo things. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. But yeah, that Manticore thing. I sure hope they don't exist. Um, there was somebody else that did a report on those, and he got some other weird information. You know, like how the cicadas or some of the bugs that, like, show up every 18 years yes. or that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. apparently these things have, like, a 300-year cycle. So every 300 years, they show up out of nowhere. You have to exterminate the damn things, and then they're gone for another 300 years. Oh, nice. Yeah. So hopefully somebody kept some records around about the best way to exterminate them. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pale-flicking, face-eating monsters, damn it. Just a small can of raid ain't going to get the job done. No. Nope. Yeah, that the whole thing with them being able to apparently uh, supposedly have infrasound, it's like, where did they get that idea from thousands of years ago <coughs> of infrasound? <coughs> now, we supposedly just figured that out here about a decade ago. Right. Suppo- you know, th- somehow they knew about it like four or 5,000 years ago. Wait, what? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, it, they're scaring me. Quit being accurate about this stuff. It's a lot easier to, you know, think it's an imaginary monster when you don't put any accurate stuff in there. That's that right. That we probably would have for That's a power. Right. Stop it, people, already. Stop it. Yeah, stop it. Stop it. Well, D&D, Dungeons & Dragons made it worse. They gave it, like, bat wings like a dragon so it could fly. In the original story, it's not supposed to be able to fly. It's at least stuck on the ground, even though it's ridiculously fast and it can outrun you. At least it can't fly to run you, outrun you. <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Bad, bad, scary, nasty monsters. Monsters not good. So, hey, it's summertime, Dave, all three months of it. When are you coming over to do some Bigfoot in here, buddy? Oh, let me uh, let me look at some calendar time here because I know in July I'm going to Denver, and then it's looking like right after Denver I'm going to take a quick two-day trip over to Las Vegas because I have to meet with somebody. And, <coughs> and then I have my nephew's stag, and then in August I got his wedding, and I actually asked him, I said, do I really have to come? Because I hate weddings, Duke. I hate weddings with a passion. And um, and he's like, yes, uncle, you need to show up. And I'm like, fuck. Right? Like, I said, <laughs> I said can't you just, can't I just take like a, like a, a loner on this one? You know, take a flyer on it? You know, like send me the, send me the tape that I'll never watch. Right? <laughs> You know, I, I'll, I'll. You know what, Duke? Stick around. Stick around for after the show, man. I'll tell you the reason why I hate weddings. All right. Okay. Uh, so All right. I'll, I'll I'll come back here when it's top of the hour. Again. I'll just put you in the background here. Huh? Okay. Hi, Cybermind. How you doing? <clears throat>
We've rounded third. We're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you miss most of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. I'm telling you, I'm feeling a little angry tonight. I really am. And you'll know why, because here's the Dave 101. There's two things I'm upset about heading into this Dave 101. Number one, I'm mad at the UFO Twitterverse and the UFO world. And number two, I'm mad at NASA. Why am I mad at NASA and the UFO Twitter world? Well, let old Ice Tea knows Ice Tea, which is why I get my iced tea at Raising Cane's. We're both fresh all day. Sometimes we're sweet, sometimes we're unsweet, Jack. So celebrate National Ice Tea Day with your favorite iced teas and Raising Cane's. One love. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a monster truck driver to deliver pizza. And the neighbors are going wild. You can hear that engine from a mile away, Fran. And he's foregoing the driveway and heading right up the lawn and over the azaleas. What a power move. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. With six-foot tires and a roll cage, this pizza guy can quite literally crush the competition. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Davey tell you. Now, a number of months ago, I did a Dave 101 about NASA knowing about UFOs. Well, you better brace yourself because here we go again. NASA had the audacity to say they are putting a team together to study unidentified aerial phenomena popularly known as UFOs. Yep, the team is going to gather data on events in the sky that cannot be identified as aircraft-known natural phenomena from a scientific perspective. NASA said it was interested in UAPs from a security and safety perspective. There is no evidence UAPs are extraterrestrial in origin, NASA added. The study will begin this fall and is expected to take nine months. NASA believes that the tools of scientific discovery are powerful and apply here also, said Thomas Zerbuchen, the Associate Administrator of the Science Mission Directorate at NASA headquarters in D.C. Now, this is where I get upset. And all of you should be just as upset as me. NASA is a bunch of hypocrites. I'm not saying they don't do their jobs well. Okay? What the astronauts do, what those engineers do, what those construction workers do is extremely important. 
But when it comes to UFOs, NASA is the biggest bunch of hypocrites on this planet. And secondly, the UFO world is cheering them on like, yes, yes, NASA. Oh, please go search for UFOs. Please make this happen. Join the action plan. Join the activists in trying to prove that UAP are here on Earth. Really? Seriously? How can you sit there and do this? Honestly, how can NASA sit there with a straight face and say, we're now in the UAP watching game? Think about it. Right back to Gemini, there have been astronauts such as Gordon Cooper, the late Dr. Edgar Mitchell, and many others who have reported seeing UFOs while in space. Okay? Now I'm taking this from Wikipedia. And I know, I know, you can't trust everything on Wikipedia. But let's just listen here for a second. Gemini 4, pilot Jim McDivitt spotted an object that he described as a white cylindrical shape with a white pole sticking out of one corner of it. He took two pictures of it while his partner, Ed White, was asleep at the time. Yes. Number two, Gemini 7. The astronauts mentioned a bogey, which ufologists have claimed was reference of a UFO. Number three, UFO community. uh, Within the UFO community, stories have spread that Neil Armstrong was reported to have witnessed multiple UFOs during Apollo 11. Mm-hmm. Other astronauts, like Edgar Mitchell, Apollo, what was he, Apollo 14? Sixth man to walk on the moon? Yeah, he saw it. Many others. NASA TV, in 2013, Astronaut Christopher Cassidy saw a UFO float past the International Space Station near its Progress 2052 cargo ship. August 19th, 2020, cosmonaut Ivan Wagner posted a video on Twitter featuring UFOs on a time lapse he recorded while watching the Aurora Australis. Astronauts have seen this in space. Yet NASA wants us to believe that they know nothing. They are just as clueless as the Navy, Air Force, Marines, Army, Coast Guard, and every airline manufacturer in between. And we're falling for it. Bill Nelson, the head of NASA should be ashamed of himself for pulling the wool over the American eyes, and therefore the eyes of the world. It is beyond belief and unconscionable that they would think and take advantage of the public being this stupid. NASA, if we believe the reports, has been said to wash photographs, 
of all over the solar system. They have been known to cover up what their own astronauts have said. And if their astronauts are seeing things, and it has been reported, photographed, and discussed, shouldn't NASA be looking in its own closets, its own filing cabinets, its own warehouses, bathroom reading material, to actually be looking for what they know? They have been going to space for 60 years, and they are treating us like we're stupid. They are treating us like children who don't know any better. And ufology is just so excited that NASA is involved that we're all about about time. Yes, they're on our team now. NASA isn't on our team. They're about the cover-up. Their own astronauts, as I have said, have seen things. These are men and women who go through years, sometimes decades, of rigorous training just to get one shot to go up into space. They are smart. They are brilliant. They are aware of their environment. They know what they are seeing. NASA needs to come forward and tell us what they know. NASA needs to stop playing the people like fools. They have taken billions upon billions of American tax dollars and other countries' tax dollars, like Canada, and used it for whatever the hell they want. And in the meantime, if they've seen something, nobody knows about it. If an astronaut has seen something... Well, in space, people see strange things which they can't really recognize. It was probably space junk. It was probably a glare from Venus. Swamp gas that rose into the stratosphere. Whatever it is. Bill Nelson, the head of NASA, should be called out on this. And yet not a single journalist who is now covering this topic, is even bloody aware to ask the simple question, what about the dozens of astronauts who claim they have seen unidentified aerial phenomena in the skies above, in the deep black darkness of what we call space? And because they're not being called out on the carpet, the rest of us get to look stupid. And we should be ashamed of that. Ufology in general should be completely ashamed that no one has asked Bill Nelson to look in the closet of NASA to find what is in there. And this is all about disclosure, people. How can we have a proper disclosure when we are being treated like morons? We are being treated with childlike gloves and we're buying the narrative. 
We're buying the narrative that NASA's SETI program in 50 years has never heard a thing, even though we know they've had signals. We're buying the progress and the problem now that NASA has never looked into UFOs. Nobody has ever seen a UFO. No astronauts have seen a UFO. But by golly, if the Navy has seen them, and this is part of a threat narrative, for the next nine months, we're looking into UFOs. Really? Shame on you, NASA. Shame on you, Bill Nelson. And shame on you, UFO community, for not calling out what it really is. And that is the back behind of a bull and the smell that comes from it. It is terrible to think that we are allowing another government agency to play us like we're idiots. Now, some of you may disagree with me. Some of you may say, look, Dave, you got to get off this high horse here. You have to allow these people to get the job done, and it takes time. NASA has over 60 years of taking its time. They have over 60 years of whitewashing photographs, of whitewashing videos, of cutting feeds from the space shuttle to the International Space Station when something anomalous comes along. And ignoring their best people. They're astronauts. Could you imagine if it really was true that Neil Armstrong said on the security line, they are here, they are on the mountain, and they are watching us. Or another astronaut stating on the emergency line, holy cow, there is a Santa Claus. We've heard all the rumors. Some of them, including documentarian Darcy Weir have recordings of these astronauts. Now, Darcy Weir, over the next little bit here, by the fall, will be having a look at NASA and UFOs. I know this because I'm the one who is doing the voiceover work for it, the narration. And in that documentary... You hear astronauts talking about what is flying right beside them. But as NASA stands for, never a straight answer. Should we expect any less? No. No, we shouldn't. But all of you have the power to call them out on their garbage. Because this is what it is. It's garbage. Start tweeting them, like I have. Say, NASA, have you looked in your own closets? Has Bill Nelson, your head executive and former astronaut, looked in his own closet? Are you really calling your astronauts, these brilliant PhDs who've gone into space, these doctors of engineering and sciences, and mathematicians, and pilots, very, very intelligent people, are you calling them liars for what they saw? Denying it truly is calling them liars. We need better. 
We need to stop these organizations, whether it's the government, the military, or NASA, from treating us like fools. And if you have an interest in ufology, stop accepting crap like this. Because we can't move the field forward if they keep kicking us two steps behind. And that's exactly what NASA has done. And that is your Dave 101. Leave a comment below and let me know what you think. What time is it? It's time for Shirky Poo's news. Oh, Shirky Poo has it for us tonight. Yes, she does. A ghost hunter believes he may have tricked the infamous black monk of... Pontefract into posing for a photo. John Paul Newlands from Lincolnshire over in the UK said he was left almost in tears of fear when an apparition was caught in one of his photographs last month. The 40-year-old ventured into what has been called one of the country's most haunted homes, 30 East Drive, Pontefract, East Yorkshire, to see if he could coax the spirit out for a snap. And he claims to have done just that catching what he says is the terrifying figure lurking in the corner of one of his photos. John Paul says the picture shows the black monk wearing a long hooded robe and standing with his arms raised in the air. Recalling the moment when he came face to face with the ghost, the paranormal investigator said, When I saw the picture, my heart sank. I won't lie, I was really taken aback by it and I was at a point where I was nearly in tears. I don't know whether it was because I was happy or whether I was frightened. But he made it. He survived, and he got the photograph, and looking at the photograph, it's kind of impressive. Very, very impressive. You might want to check that on out. It is online. Let's move on. If this story is true... This could be very, very good. Very, very good. An experimental drug appeared to clear every patient of rectal cancer with minimal side effects in an unprecedented study, but oncologists say it's still too early to make sure that they are cured. The drug, called dostarlimab, was given to 12 people with a specific type of rectal cancer every three weeks for six months in small in a small study at the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York. After the course of treatment, cancer was undetectable on physical exams, endoscopy, PET, and MRI scans for every one of the 12. And researchers said that in their presentation, they've never ever seen this before that participants didn't need any other treatment for up to a year on average and there were no side effects bad enough to impact day-to-day activities let us hope that this is a start because all of us one way or another have been affected by cancer and it sucks and we pumped way too many billions of dollars to still have agent orange pumped into people to try and kill the disease off We're getting there, and let's hope that this one comes true. BC Hydro here in British Columbia says a beaver, yeah, how Canadian is this? A beaver chewed through a tree that fell and damaged several telephone poles and fiber optic cables causing intermittent internet, television, home phone, and wireless service outages in part of northern British Columbia. 
TELUS reported that the wireless services were affected at Burns Lake, Topley, Terrace, Prince George, Kitimat, Smithers, Grand Isle, and Hazleton. Outages were also reported in Prince Rupert. The company said it worked with BC Hydro to repair the damage and restore service as soon as possible. Spokesperson Sibby here said that after the repairs were made, workers had a gnawing suspicion that a beaver had something to do with the felled tree, which went down close to Highway 16 between Houston and Topley, 14 kilometers east of Houston. They discovered the markings on the bottom of the tree, which indicated that it had been chewed through by a beaver. Yep, he here said the systems are in place to try and prevent such measures with brushes of nature, but they do happen from time to time. Personally, I think this beaver was pissed off. The Oilers were eliminated in four games from the conference finals. Oh no, here's a bad one if you're a Spice fan. If you're the kind of person who puts sriracha on just about everything, bad day for you. An April 19th letter from Hui Fong Foods, the manufacturer of the favorite spicy condiment, appears to lay out a dire situation for the sauce, at least in the short term. The company said in a letter that severe shortages of chili have forced them to halt production of sriracha completely. Unfortunately, this is out of our control, and without this essential ingredient, we are unable to produce any other products. While the letter is dated in April, it only recently came to light and was reported by outlets such as Bloomberg and the Daily Beast. That's horrible. Horrible. How do you live without that? I think every household has at least a Tabasco bottle and a Sriracha bottle. So I don't know where we're going from here. Well, we might as well hook up with SpaceX and head off to Mars. They probably got Sriracha there. Big thank you to Shirky Poo for the news, Super Duke for the Cryptid Report, Swamp Dweller for hanging on out and give us a, giving us another spooky story. And of course, our main man, myself for the Dave 101, and our special guest, Dolly Safran, with some incredible stories about UFOs and ET contact. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in in their cars, at work, at home, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight for making this special, including YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we're watching. We own the night, Mr. Bumblefoot. We need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night.
Ice tea knows iced tea, which is why I get my iced tea at Raising Cane's. We're both fresh all day. Sometimes we're sweet, sometimes we're unsweet, Jack. So celebrate National Iced Tea Day with your favorite iced teas and Raising Cane's. One love. <laughs> this summer, get road trip ready with the brake experts at Midas. With up to $100 back on two-axle brake service when you use your Midas credit card. So you can make sure every stop on your road trip is one you want to make. Request your appointment today at Midas.com.